Welcome to another episode of Trash Cinema. This episode will be discussing the pirate movie and Back to the Beach. I'm your host, Michael, and my guest this week is Mindy returning to the show for another musical episode. My favorite. You know, I'm a little torn. This really should not be a trash cinema, except 
One of the movies is kind of shitty, but I like it anyway. And one of the movies is kind of looked at kind of... It was a bomb. Both movies bombed. That's kind of the idea behind the show is that movies have bombed and kind of rediscovering them. Uh, well, some of the stuff... The other stuff we've talked about isn't really... They're not all bad. It's it's really not about the quality all the time. It's, you know, they just didn't, weren't successful. I mean, they could be bad, but that doesn't mean they have to be. No, it's the show's always had a weird identity crisis because the first season we just picked shitty movies and made fun of them. Then the second season it got a kind of mixture of both. We started introducing like Grindhouse and Drive-In movies. And now I have three reoccurring guests. So you and I have been doing musicals all year or all summer. Uh, me and Ken yeah. have been doing sword and sorcery films, and then me and Kersey have been doing like uh, really just like grindhouse gory horror films. Cool. So I don't know if we'll ever have an identity for the show. It's just kind of fun having a mixture of everything. And I think it'd be kind of cool if every season that we would pick a new theme, like you and I would pick something next year and pick a bunch of movies with that theme. That sounds good to me. Okay, everybody, so let's get started on this episode. The first movie we'll be discussing is The Pirate Movie, which is a modern-slash-retro uh, look at the classic Gilbert and Sullivan play Pirates of Penzance, just with a weird new wave kind of thing going for it. And I'm told. Yeah, it was... Do you mean the retro part was the flashback part? Well, it's, it's a weird movie because it... Okay, so we had another Pirates of Penzance that came out the next year. Which is the true to this, you know, the stage. Basically, it's yeah. the same cast, exactly the same play, and it was even shot on a soundstage, so it looked like a play. Whereas this one mm -hmm. goes a different direction. It does go back in time, sort of. It's a dreamlike movie, um, or hallucination. I don't know how you want to view this. Um, where it's old school. I mean, it's set in the past, but it has like all these like gags. It's almost a parody of pirate movies. That's true, and you know, because even though it was intended to be like a, a period kind of piece, a lot of the um, style, especially of the music and the jokes, uh, really, they date themselves, so that it seems more, more 80s than they knew that they were, you know, w that it was going to be. Yeah, that's the weird thing, is when you listen to the songs, of course there's the classic, um, Fry up my pirate king. You know, <laughs> um, I don't know why. They, I can't... they used. What's that? They used. They used like two of the songs from Pirates of Penzance, and then the rest of them were like original pop crap. Yeah, I, I think yeah. There's the Pirate King. There is. Um, oh, was that? Da -ra -da -ra, da -ra -da -ra. We fly at night. Uh, da -da -da -da. Uh -huh. I don't know the songs yeah. at all. But um, and then the I am the modern major oh, yeah. general whatever I remember, song I'm the very too. model of a modern major general and I that's all I can ever I, I, I remember uh, you, Dave and I used to watch the the 83 version with Kevin Klein a lot and he was trying mm -hmm. so hard to sing that song and I think after about a year he got three lines into it without like completely collapsing I'm like you're good dude that's as far as I'm gonna <laughs> if anybody can audition and complete that song the first try that is uh, the most amazing talent I can think of yeah, it's a it's it's one of the most challenging songs ever out there. So I can't I can't imagine too many people being able to pull that off. The uh, there's little bits though in each of these songs where they add new twists to it, which I 
I think it kills the song instantly. It's like, why does he throw in the whole Beatles and Rolling Stones thing in the in the modern major, major general? It takes you I out of it. I don't know. There's so many things that uh, feel weird and, you know, dated references that remove the potential timeliness of the movie and make it super awkward, like during the sword fight and his sword turns into a lightsaber. Which, when I saw that, I think I was like six or seven when I first saw it, I thought that was the most amazing joke ever. But you watch it now, and you're like, my God, the timing on this is horrible. Right. Exactly. So there's just, there's a lot of, I don't know, it's like it has an identity crisis on whether it wants to be an homage or, or uh, you know, Airplane. slapstick. Yeah. There's a lot of slapsticky jokes and lots of, like, penis references. <laughs> There is a lot. <laughs> Holy crap, there's that a lot of sex. <laughs> um, you, know what, you know what makes the best movie? Penis references. Yay! <laughs> Actually, if you think about all the great musicals, I feel like there is a lot of sexuality in them. <laughs> Especially the ones that we like. <laughs> there's a lot of filth and grease. Well, hey. Yeah, there's a lot of subtext in a lot of a lot of movies. Especially musicals. You're like, oh, this is such a fun song to sing along to. You're like, this movie is filthy. Yeah. Um... I think the problem with this movie isn't uh, Christy McNichol by any means, who is fantastic. Uh, no, it's Christopher Atkins. No way. He is tone deaf when it comes to comedy. I, don't, I mean, he wasn't really much of an actor, and he didn't do tons of stuff. I mean, for a small period of time, he was the hot face, but I don't really think it had anything to do with the quality of his acting, but more of the shock value of what he was involved with. Blue Lagoon. Right. I mean, that's pretty much it, right? Um, yeah, I think that's his only hit, because it was this, and it, it, it bombed. Um, and then he did A Night in Heaven, which was a massive flop, and then it was done. It, it was gone. I think he was a little bit of TV and directed it, video. Yeah, I, I was reading a little bit of the facts of this movie, and it said that he had, he had done, like, vocal training for months and months and months, and, you know, to really, to try to be pretty serious about it. And he recorded all of the tracks. Um, he had a number one hit with one of the songs from the movie, but the actual voice that you hear in the movie isn't even him. They recorded someone else, dubbed it over him, and he never even knew until he saw it. Yeah, there's only one that he got credit for, which was, oh, no, 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 it's two. How Can I Live Without Her? He got credit for it. Now, I don't know yes. if that means he sang it, but First Love was also him and Kristen McDougall. I actually like all of the new songs, but they are clearly... Um, they stand out like a sore thumb. They do not fit in the movie. Yes. No. They're kind of. They're all actually kind of catchy and goofy, and I like them, but it's very. There's like a very clear difference in the vibe between, you know, the scenes with the original music and then the scenes with this new music. Like, it clashes, kind of. What's that one? The. Uh, and pumping. And grooving, and you know, they're underwater. It has uh, all the animation. It's the shittiest animation. I know it's super weird. That's another thing that's like that's the only scene in the entire movie, and he, there's like it, half of it's animated, and it's kind of clever. It probably was something you know new and fun at the time, but it's just like it it really confuses the entire vibe of the movie. Uh, I was gonna say, oh, the, the original director of this was supposed to be Richard Franklin, the director of, I shit you not, Psycho 2. How did that even become a thing? Who saw Psycho 2 and was like, yes, he'd be perfect for this comedy musical? Hmm, that is odd. <laughs> 
I'm trying to remember. There was another. Uh, let's see who uh, he got. Worst actor. Wow, Razzie's worst actor. Chris McNichol, worst actress. Now, okay, Ted Hamilton plays the Pirate King, and I thought he was excellent. And dude is, what is he, like 50? And he was like a, a massive rock of muscle. Do you know what? He, it reminds me of so much the um, that guy playing the Pirate King. All of his scenes are so, like, funny. They remind me of George Hamilton and, like, Zorro the Gay Blade. You know, <laughs> you remember that, that movie? Yes, I've seen that movie. <laughs> and how, like, Tongue in cheek, it is. It feels like a. It feels like a very, very similar movie. And is it weird that I've seen Zorro the Gay Blade so many times that more than I should admit to because it's a really weird movie. <laughs> what have you seen? Because it's a rare VHS. Right? What's that? Yeah. No, that's why I've seen it so many times. But you have too, right? Because yeah. of the same reason. Yeah, I, I love yeah, the I movie. Feel... Except it drives me nuts that Ron, whatever his name was, you know, he was the dad on Friends. He screams. Ron Liebman, I think? He screams the entire movie, and you just want to stab him in the throat. Oh, I have no idea who you're talking about, but I'll have... Wait, what movie are we talking about? Are we talking about Zorro still? Yes, Zorro the Gay Blade, the guy who's after Zorro. He is... I want to say he's Jennifer Aniston's dad on Friends. His name is Ron Liebman. Oh. And he screams constantly throughout the last half of that movie, and you're just like, oh, 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 just please stop. You're killing me. Yeah, I don't really. I haven't seen that movie in a while because of the whole VHS game has gone kaput. Oh yeah, boy. That was anyway, a back to yes. pirate movie. Pirate movie. Well, to round it back up, pirate movie was another one from Fox that was loaned out, I think, to Anchor Bay, and that's why they were really rare because they only did like a thousand copies, and then the VHS became worth a ton of money, and that's how I ended up watching the pirate movie for the first time in like twenty years. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, I. It's, um, I just maybe it's because I've seen the uh, Kevin Klein version that it looks so bad. If I had never seen the other version, maybe I'd enjoy it more. But I just feel like there's so many missed opportunities in this. Oh well, I mean, it, how can you really compare to the charisma and talent of Kevin Klein? I mean, like pretty much just sinks anything that comes near it. Well, Rex Smith is actually really good in it, too, when you compare his comedic ability to Christopher Atkins, who, uh, he plays it, you know how um, soap operas, the difference between a soap opera drama and drama in, like, a, you know, a main, like an HBO series. Too wildly different. Yeah. That's how it feels with Christopher Atkins. He keeps reading it too big. Like, I almost, like, when you watch comedy on, um, tele, uh, what, a Telemundo, where it's just really heavy yeah. metal, you're like, oh, this is like the uh, exact opposite of what The Office is, you know, really dry and straightforward. Yes, I understand. Yeah, it's, he's begging it's for like, the laugh, and that's usually when it's really unfunny is when you're sweating it. I believe that's called mugging. Yeah, the worst joke is the Indiana Jones joke because it goes on for what feels like 10 minutes. Is that really the worst joke? It, well, what's the Probably worst one you right. think? No, you're probably right. I don't know. It's just because it takes so long. It's this big setup. You know what's coming because you've seen Indiana Jones. Maybe at the time it seemed fresh, but I just kept going, okay, here comes the guy with Indiana Jones. Okay, come on, let's do this. And then the camera just sits there and sits there and sits there. Like, holy shit, come on, move. Yeah, you know what I thought was interesting and I did not know is that Christy McNichol did do all that singing herself. And it was actually like the third movie she had done singing in. I didn't know she had done so many before that. I mean, I remember her from 
several TV shows, one when she was a kid, and then one when she was a little older, The Empty Nest, I think. Yeah, and, the show have you watched? watched Empty Nest lately? Lately? Is that a joke? No, how would I even How would I watch no, it? No, they've been airing it. They they bought Somebody bought the syndicated package or whatever and has been throwing it out there. It's usually on those substations like Antenna TV or Retro Network. Um, but I've been I watching maybe, it. I maybe saw it in 1995. Yeah. <laughs> um, seriously, if you can, maybe it's on YouTube. Uh, watch some of the early episodes. I've only gotten up to season okay. two, but they're phenomenal. And I, I, Robert hmm. or Richard Mulligan is just uh, astounding with his drama and comedy balance, and she's great in it too. That's very interesting. Yeah, I've always liked her. Even I don't know. I can't think of other stuff that she's been in, but I just remember, you know, her and always. Maybe it's just because I liked this movie when I was a kid, but. I always liked her, but she did several movies that, that she sang in, and I didn't. I had no idea that she was like a budding, a budding, you know, singer at the time too. Yeah, I've seen the nights the light, the night the lights went out in Georgia, and she sings in that one. What's oh. the third one? I'm, I don't know this one. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't remember what it was called. Oh, it's okay. I yeah. was looking up the facts on IMDb, and I don't remember. Yeah, she did about, I don't know, ten movies post, uh, I think the TV show she was in was called Family. I might, I might be wrong. Yes. Um, she did about no, ten movies, sure. and they were all flops, except for Little Darlings, which is kind of her notoriety. But I imagine... That movie, the, I read the... Sorry, I read the premise of that movie. How messed up was that? Yeah, that's, that's got to be messed up. I, I think there's a reason why. I, don't, I still don't think it's on DVD. I think Paramount is uh, a little ashamed of it, as they should be. And they should be yeah. ashamed of doing Pretty Baby two years prior with a nude 11-year-old Brooke Shields, which is just fucked up. Um, True. How's Paramount? Like, they're, Paramount's known for prestige, and yet for no reason. <laughs> just like no one stopped and go, we probably shouldn't do this. This sounds like some sleazy shit. Uh, I, the movie, she did a movie, like, maybe a couple years after the pirate movie. I don't rem I hadn't heard of it before, but I was reading about it. It was, a a movie that she, she played the daughter of Marsha Mason, and it was, like, a Neil Simon. Oh, yeah, only when I laughed. Play that they made into a movie. That one, and I guess, like, that one won a, like, got nominated for a lot of Oscars and stuff. So, I don't know if it made a lot of money, but it ha it seemed like it had a lot of acclaim. Yeah, she has a lot of movies in her catalog that have never been beyond VHS. Um, My Old Man, I think Ooh. it's one with Warren Oates. Dream Lover, uh, Only When I Laugh. We had all these on VHS, and we're selling them for buku bucks. Uh, White Dog, where she gets, like, a racist dog from a family member or something like that. Oh, uh, yes. I was reading about all these movies earlier today and i thought that sounded like a very interesting concept like people trained their dogs to like hate like attack black people and so she tries to retrain it is that it i think so i've never seen it but it's funny just i'm, I'm super that's a crazy idea though oh i i was gonna say i'm super sad that i feel like that would st still be relevant right now yeah you are not kidding whatsoever yeah. Hmm. Anyway, if you yeah. ever come across it, tell me because I think it sounds interesting. Yeah, uh, I love the glory of YouTube and other streaming services. They they find these movies and put them out there. Like Summer of My German Sh uh, Soldier with Bruce Davidson. That's another one we sold with mm -hmm. her. And uh, Nights the Light, the night the lights went out in Georgia. All of these I do not believe have ever been beyond VHS. And I think at this point. Um, there should be no guilt if you watch them online for free because if the companies aren't going to put them out, they need to be preserved in one way or another, either word of mouth or physical copies or something like that because movies are disappearing like crazy. There's no prints and the only thing left is VHS copies and if there's only so many copies out there, they're deteriorating and disappearing. 
they have to be archived. I think that you were supposed to be a historian or something in, in another life. Yeah, this life apparently I've decided to zombie my way through retail because I'm a dipshit. Well, your life isn't over. No. <sighs> Sorry, let's forget this. Okay, your life's over now. All right. I'm back from the grave to discuss the 30th anniversary of Back to the Beach. Um, we've seen this movie, what, 400 times, maybe? A, a lot of times. Oh my God. This so is... many times. I was tr I was trying to figure out why we had watched it so many times as a kid. Like, what was it about it that we liked so much? Well, was it like the, the punk fun? There are numerous reasons. Now, if you remember, we didn't start renting until the 90s. I mean, we did rent sporadically here and there in the late 80s. But it really went supernova once we moved to a new town. We had all those video stores. I mean, I just walk there and get videos. Um, we would get some occasionally from the library, and then every once in a while from like random video stores. But for the most part, Grandpa would tape them for us off HBO, and he would give us like a new tape every week. And we had, but then he stopped for some reason. He gave us like eight of them, and they're all movies from 1987. And I think we got a couple tapes from 1988 when he did it again, like a year later. But I remember these very very well uh there was adventures in babysitting revenge of the nerds 2 fatal beauty for some fucking reason i've seen this movie with uh i tried watching it recently it's god awful whoopi goldberg as a tough cop nope um no i don't remember that one there uh john cusack uh hot pursuit that was another one um but, oh yeah okay and i think hot pursuits uh revenge of the nerds 2 and uh back to the beach were all on the same tape which is weird because they're all that, kind of island, beachy, kind of vacation movies. That makes a lot of sense. I feel like I have seen those movies a lot. Hot Pursuit's the one that no one ever okay. talks about. But Back to the Beach, I feel in the last couple of years, is starting to get some nostalgia for it. Like, people are rediscovering it. and uh, Really? Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I noticed this on my pages, and my friends all seem to talk about it um, whenever you mention it. Um, I feel like it's one of those movies that probably was on a constant loop on HBO, and therefore, if you had it, even for the free preview, you would have caught Back to the Beach. There's a lot of silliness in this movie. God, there is. It's wonderful. It's glorious. I still can't believe there's so many writers, though, and it's not funnier. Is it because I'm older that I don't think it's funny? What? I just, I, I feel like this movie with, where was it? Um, it says that there were 17 writers hired for this script. One, two, well, three, four. Well, that's probably why it's. Yeah, it's like five people got credit for it, but it cost $2 million in just writer fees. And I feel like it should be funnier, but you know what? You're right. When there's too many writers, there's almost no identity. Yeah, there's no cohesion. I mean, it's just like randomness from, you know, here's Bob's best line. You know, that's all you saved of Bob's work. I don't know. I mean, the movie sort of feels like it's in, like, I don't remember my thought now. <laughs> Everybody, we got disconnected for a second. Um, Sorry. You were saying it was so like... I was talk then, go ahead. I was saying how it's like... At the, it felt like SNL sketches and like three or four minutes scenes and then the next small scene and then the next scene and it didn't all... It doesn't really gel from scene to scene. It does feel like a lot of the cameos interrupt the film. As much as I enjoy them, it does kind of dead stop. Especially the P.B. Herman like, song, which I don't know why he's yeah, there. I don't know why he's singing that shitty song. Um, and it just kind of dead mm -hmm. stops for a while. I understood why all those other people made cameos. You know, uh, Gilligan and Leave it to Beaver people and all that stuff made a lot of sense to me. 
But why was Pee Wee Herman in there? I mean, he wasn't like, an, you know, a throwback icon from the 50s and 60s. He was just some random dude who nobody even knew yet. Well, no. Uh, Big Adventure had been out for two years, and I think his show had oh, just okay. launched. And oh, okay. they might have just grabbed him because, like, he must have been a huge fan of uh, the old movies. And, and you know, he, he does kind of have a weird retro kitsch to him, though. So, in a way, he fits, yeah, but... Yeah. I think I would have preferred if they had brought the monkeys back or something and they had done a concert on the beach. You mean sort of like in um, that thing you do, how they are the band in that beach movie? Yeah. That kind of thing? <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Okay. Because all those um, old beach yeah. movies always had a band show up. And sometimes it was like a band, like, I've never heard of these people. Like, they never went beyond that movie. And then sometimes it's Little Richard who's clearly, like, out of his mind. You're like, oh, my God, this, is mo this movie's amazing. <laughs> What movie was Little Richard in? He was in a movie called Catalina Caper, and he is just rocking huh. it out, and he's like completely, I don't know if he was on something, but he's just there, but not there. I've never heard of that movie. I'll have to go look for it. Okay. it it's a Mystery Science um, Theater movie. That's how I know it. Oh, okay. Thank you. Okay. Um, okay. Let's see what else. Uh, I have never, ever seen any of the old movies with Frankie and Annette, so I can't attest to... You know, the cutesy, like, you know, jokes and stuff like that. But, um, man, adult Frankie was kind of abusive. It was. I love how his son, Matt, by the way, you know his son is the kid from uh, Better Off Dead, correct? Dollars. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The moment I started watching it, I was like, oh, maybe this is why I like the movie so much. <laughs> Actually, we had seen Back to the Beach many, many times before we ever found Better Off Dead. It was two years later when we finally oh, okay. found it. Um, also, I watched a TV show with him and Matthew Perry because, um, called Second Chances. It was one of the very first Fox TV shows, and he was Matthew Perry's little smart-ass brother. And that's the only reason I watched that show. It's the only reason I probably remember that show. Hmm. Man, there's so many connections in Hollywood that go through time, and it's so hard to keep up. The uh, Especially when... I don't have time to go back and watch shows from the 80s. I know. I, I, here's the thing. This makes me sound like a fucking douchebag. But I want people to listen. Can you all just stop creating movies and TV shows for like six months? I need to catch up. The Netflix originals alone are swallowing up my life. And how about, you know, no, I'm going to no. revisit some old shows. For fuck's sake, stop. Hey, at least if they stop doing remakes, that would really slow it down. TV shows and movies. What the hell is this shit? It's not homages. It's like, like why did we need a lethal weapon know. TV show? Seriously, no. I gotta, I gotta tell you what though. I was super reluctant to commit to that, and I have actually seen every episode now. Holy it's shit! A pretty good show. Honestly. I made it through the first, and I was like, eh, it's okay. I probably wouldn't have committed except for that Scott likes it, but it's grown on me quite a bit actually. Well, Damon Wayans is awfully likable. I would have. Uh, Liked it if um, somehow they found a way to have Bruce Willis be on the show and kind of make a slight reference to Last Boy Scout. Well, that'd be fun. That'd the, uh, be cool. Here's the funny thing. I didn't know who Lori Loughlin was until we had seen this movie. And she looks the exact same. It's disturbing. <laughs> Is she a vampire? Have you been watching Fuller House? No, I just have been seeing her stuff randomly here and there. I think she has some show on like Hallmark where she's a garage sale detective or some fucking stupid name. What? Yeah, I don't know. I had seen her in something. That's not and I was a like, thing. You're lying. No, I'm. I, I'm pretty sure that's real. I, I. I caught it. Mom was watching it. It was like, "What's this? Like, garage sale detective?" I'm like, "What the fuck? What?" 
Okay, I'm gonna go look that up later because that sounds like the dumbest shit in the world. <laughs> um, okay, whatever. Lifetime uh, channel. Now, Tommy Hinckley, I don't really know Tommy Hinckley very well, but I do remember he was in Men at Work, which uh, uh, is one of my favorites. He's one of the cops who gets tied to the uh, the toy playground who thing. Is, who's Tommy Hinckley, her boyfriend? Her, right, her boyfriend. I, I You listen to them two argue in the beginning, you're like, oh, clearly they do not belong together. <laughs> yeah, no, they really don't. It was actually a strange uh, turn that they actually, like, end up together in the end. Because it doesn't make any sense. No, I halfway through you think she's going to fall in love with a punk guy. Because I got to tell you, knowing how punks are, um, I mean, not that I hang around punks, but you've seen them in other movies. I always assume they're going to be Death Wish style. So I don't know if it's intentional, it's a parody, or it's a super PG safe. But I think, these are the nicest punks. <laughs> they were so fun. <laughs> and... Um, I just was thinking about, like, the whole way they would wrap it up. It's like, dude, you're going to get killed, dude. And then they do that whole, I didn't get the joke at the time that, you know, it's supposed to look shitty. Like, he's just, like, on a soundstage and there's a reverse projection behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, those gags are a lot funnier now. A lot of the stuff makes m more sense now. I had never even seen Gilligan's Island, so I didn't understand the joke where the skipper comes in. And he's like, come on, little buddy. It's only a three-hour tour. It's never a three-hour tour. Uh, one of the things in that movie that really frustrates me, probably more than it should, is the fact that they go to that, like, tiki club thing or whatever that Connie Stevens owns. Is that her name, Connie Stevens? Yes. <laughs> okay, so they go to the club, and then it turns out that the daughter, Lori Laughlin works there or something because she goes there with them and then suddenly she shows up in like a freaking waitress uniform and they never mention they never speak about it she just works there for like two minutes and then never again yeah and you think at some but, point uh, i don't know i thought it was a little too much coincidence okay so well, that's right because there's a brief plot point where you think that the kid that Lori laughlin is dating and is eventually going to marry is Frankie Avalon's Might son. Might be her brother. Yeah, and you're like, whoa, yeah. please don't let this be true, or this movie's taking a weird turn. <laughs> it's, But you don't really think that, because it's more like a, a joke on The Office when it was like, you remember when Rashida Jones was on there, uh -huh. and then she left, and then she showed up on one episode for like two years later, she was married and pregnant, and Michael was like, oh, my God, is that Jim's baby, even though it had been more than two years? I mean, I think that that was more what it was. Like, there was no way that that kid really could have been his, but it was like a stupid whatever. Yeah. Do you um, see what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of the original songs here, because that's, that's a big part of it. It's not technically a musical. I don't Is it? Because it doesn't seem to be too heavy on songs. Would you consider this a musical? I don't know. I don't think so. I never. It never came into my mind when we were talking about musicals before. It's more like all of those old like beach movies always had at least one musical scene in it, but it wasn't really a musical. I think that's what they were trying to do there. I don't know. Does Psycho Beach Party have a song in it? Because I feel like it should. I haven't seen that movie. I don't long. remember. It's been so long since I've seen Psycho Beach Party, and I only watched it because. Nicholas Brendan was in it. Okay, so the actual songs, the actual songs in this movie. I mean, you saw, of course, that Amy Mann wrote Sign of Love, which it says Till Tuesday and Amy Mann, but isn't Amy Mann the lead singer of Till Tuesday? Yes. 
Axel. Why would you put her name twice? It's like saying Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones. Well, are you saying it's in the movie credits that way? Yeah, that's weird. Well, you know, maybe it was a time period when she was trying to transition from Till Tuesday to have her own career. And, you know, everybody... Most people still reference Till Tuesday when they talk about her, and she, even though she's has a career of her own and has been solo and has eight albums on her own, maybe that was her way of trying to transition to her just being by herself. I don't know. That is kind of weird. Damn, I love Amy, man. She's a genius. <laughs> um, she really is. Absolute perfection. That I don't even remember that song. I don't really remember anything by the names. I'm really bad at that. What? Okay, so there's a song where they're having like a, a, a pillow uh, sleepover, whatever you call it, pillow fight sleepover thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then there's Jamaican Ska, which Fishbone shows up, and I had no idea who Fishbone was. And I mean, I knew the name, but I never listened to them before. They're a lot of fun, really. Listen to one of their albums. I still it's like, don't know who Fishbone is. It's kind of, if you listen to early Red Hot Chili Peppers, they have a very similar style, uh, sound. It's just kind of like this weird California beach. Let's just have fun. It's wacky. It's wild. It's really upbeat. It's a, a precursor to, like, the way Real Big Fish and Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, like that kind of ska. It was just, like, a big bouncy sound. Isn't it weird how there's a lot of songs about dance moves that are completely pointless? <laughs> You mean during that era, like, the 60s, even... or just now? Over time, I guess. I mean, there's still more songs about dance moves than you would think, like uh, the Lean Back song. And... A one, I mean, a two, I don't know. a three, four, five. Have you... oh, I, just did How a... does... I did an episode where we discussed uh, Mambo Number no. 5 for an hour. I have no idea how we did it. But there's literally a, a part weird. of the song where it dead stops, and it's basically giving you the directions of the hokey pokey. It's giving you directions of the what? It's just like Hokey Pokey. If you listen to the lyrics, he's like, put your right hand oh. in, put your right hand out. And you're like, oh, hold on a second. You stole lyrics from Hokey Pokey. That's weird. Okay, I'm going to listen to that song again because I don't think that I ever knew that. Yeah, it's it's like a four-minute song, and there's one chunk of lyrics that's actually fresh and original. Like, go around the corner, I want to uh, sip some gin and juice, but I really don't want to. And then the second part is all directions on how to dance, apparently. Some vague, weird dance makes no sense. Uh, if you do right, the directions exactly. in real life, it's not a dance. And then the third part is just the chorus <laughs> okay. repeated again, and it's an empty song. I can't believe it was such a huge hit. And I bought that CD twice. Hey, 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 you remember the song, the other song that was a hit was just uh, an entire song listing girls' names? What was that? Do you remember that song? No. Monica in my life. Sarah by my side. You don't remember that song? No. Okay, I'll look it up. I'll send it to you. Because it was like the only other song off that CD. And it was just like, wait, you just listed like 20 girls' names. That's the whole song. <laughs> it's like they went through the, the like, na picking the na baby name book. And that was their entire inspiration. <laughs> it's very funny. weird. Uh, Wooly Bully is quoted on or uh, put on the soundtrack, but I don't even remember it in the movie. But I feel like there's so many fucking movies that use Wooly Bully, which is a fine song, but it's also one of those where it sounds interchangeable with any other song of that era. Is Wooly Bully supposed to be a dance move song too? Well, they were, no, I don't think it is, but it's, it's just, just random word song, right? Well, I feel like there's a lot of songs <laughs> around that time. Wooly Bully, um, Moni Moni, uh, Louie Louie. <laughs> I, okay, I'm in Arby's the other day, and some asshole 
is like, uh, oh yeah, uh, what name should, or the guy asked what name he should put the order under, and he goes, put it under Louie, you know, like the song Louie Louie back when music was real, <laughs> and I'm like, you fucking, have you heard the lyrics to Louie Louie, shut up. <laughs> wow, that's pretty funny. Uh, I realized that so many songs now only have a few lyrics, but it's really not any different from back, back then. No, it's really it's like, bad. Not everybody's Harvey Danger. No, I'm thinking about like, my baby does the hanky-panky. Fuck, like, fuck that, that song. What is that? That was my second and choice uh, yeah, on the, the Those episode. are the only lyrics. Basically. Weird. Okay, I don't know. Do why diddy diddy dum diddy do. Those are not lyrics. Shut the hell up. <laughs> no, you're right. What's up with that? Okay. Um... Okay, let's see what else. Uh, I don't really understand Annette. She's like got the hugest hair ever, and she just wants to shop to solve problems. She seems like she's a little disconnected from everything that's going on in the movie, and she wasn't sick yet, so I'm not sure what that was. You know, as Frankie, I think, was giving a hell of a performance. I really enjoy him, even though he is being a douchebag, but his chemistry with the son is hilarious. I, I thought the whole thing with the son, honestly, was just, like, comedy gold. It when was. he's, like, he jo- he joins the biker gang, he's pretty much, like, their leader. And he's, like, 14 years old. <laughs> My name is Surly. Surely? Surly. Surely? No, damn it. My name is Knife. Uh, nice? Your name is Nice? Forget it, man. <laughs> Go back to Bobby. Comedy gold, man. It's great. <laughs> I gotta. I wonder what happened to that guy. I've seen him recently. I think his picture on IMDb makes him look like Gollum. It's a little scary. Oh shit! I'm gonna go look that up. <laughs> um. Hey, do you watch the Goldbergs? Yes, uh, and sporadically. I've caught like a handful. See now, that to me is is like perfection. In if you're gonna like, you know, be reverent about like, you know the past that's the way to do it a total homage instead of like a complete ripoff well are you talking you know? about the pirate movie or back to the beach because i feel like back to the beach isn't really no no no. i'm talking okay. i'm talking about the goldbergs oh no 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 you're saying it's not a ripoff do you consider back to the beach a ripoff no not back to the beach but i do kind of feel like the pirate movie is almost a ripoff that, that, I feel like parody movies now are the worst shit ever. It's those fucking assholes from like the date movie and epic movie and superhero movies. They destroyed the genre. And you're like looking yeah. back at the guys who created Hot Shots and Naked Gun and they seem like geniuses now. Oh man, they look just Fuck, so basketball looks like a masterpiece I'm, compared to a Scary Movie 5. I miss that. Hey, I have seen basketball like 8,000 times. <laughs> That movie is comedy gold. <laughs> I don't. I it's good, but it's not great. But in comparison to what we have now, that is, I, I cherish that movie now. Okay, how about this then? No, it's not great, but it damn, it is entertaining. <laughs> it doesn't seem to matter to me how many times I've seen it. It never stops being funny. Yeah, and and back to the beach is glad. I sometimes glad I rewatched again. The funny thing is, we did an episode of Video Night two years ago about this. And I did it solely from oh. memory. I didn't rewatch it, and I regret it now. I feel like I fucked up somehow. And um, I don't like skiing super analytical, like, oh, and then he went into, and then, you know, heavy on the details. No. Watch the movie. It's, it's worth your time. There's some really great stuff in there. 
but you do feel like it's a hodgepodge. Like it's just like taking chunks yeah. from each writer, trying to get the idea coherent. There's no like what the fuck moments. There's no like where this plot point, you know, except for like you said the minor thing at the restaurant. Um, it does work, and I almost feel like you have to be a child of the '80s to really get the joke. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I mean that that little scene that I mentioned in the restaurant wasn't that big of a deal. It's not like I'm, you know, just can't get over it. I just thought it was kind of odd. But, I mean, regardless, it's, it's, it's a, I thought it was super fun still after all this time. I think that both movies are still worth watching regardless of the quality. Um, Back to the Beach definitely uh, is tons of fun. And the pirate movie even though Pirates of Pen- Penzance is obviously a much higher quality item, I mean, I still think the pirate movie is kind of fun. You know, there is one thing that's sitting in the back of my brain that just finally found its way to the front that bugged me about Back to the Beach. You know the guy who's really sleazy, but he's, I think he's very funny. I don't know the guy's name. Um, you know, he's oh, like, sure, yeah. Hey, baby, how's it going? You know, um, At the end of the movie, he's singing with them. Like, he's their buddy now. Yeah. Like, they made up with the, yeah. the surf Nazi guy, but at no point have they ever made up with super tan machismo gold chain guy. And all of a sudden, he's just singing with them. Like, what's that about? And then I forgot. Yeah. That's the way movies were back mm-hmm. then. Everybody made friends at the end. Yep. Hey, you know what? He, every time I um, would see him in a scene, it kept making me think of Phantom of the Paradise and that weird, like, <laughs> um, overly... Over the top blonde weird singer guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's not the same guy, is he? No, 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 no. But for years, I thought oh, this dark. was the okay. guy from Sledgehammer, and then I realized it wasn't. It's a totally different actor. Ooh, I can see that. I, it's funny is if you look back, do you remember when Nick at Night debuted? When, when you, I think you were about seven or eight, and uh, all of a sudden, like this whole new generation were exposed to laughing and the monkeys and get smart and. Uh, Gilligan's Island and Mr. Ed, all these great shows of the 50s and 60s, the whole new generation were exposed to them, and they became kind of phenomenons again. The Monkees came back, Levy the Beaver came mm-hmm. back, Gidget came back, and I think Back to the That's Beach right. is... All those shows, all those shows had, like, remakes and stuff or whatever. I yeah. forgot. And, and I feel like since this is from the same company that owns Nick at Night... This was a response to that whole new audience finding it and, and then trying to make something. This should have been a huge hit. There really is no mm-hmm. reason. I mean, there's bigger movies in 87 that were not as entertaining. And um, I, I just kind of, I wonder if this opened up against something bigger because making $13 million, I feel like it should have been double or triple that because it has so much fun to it. It's kind of like the way it did to the Brady Bunch, you know, that nostalgia kind of fun factor and the spoof quality. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Man, I need to watch those movies again, too. The second one's so good. Do you remember how we were laughing so hard at all the, the little gags, like the little tiki gag and stuff like that in the very Brady sequel? And looking around, oh, seeing Oh, yeah, because we've, like we've seen like every episode of that show a million times. Oh, my God. Then we looked around, though, and no one else is laughing because we realized the whole audience is like 12-year-olds. We're like, oh, you're not going to get any of these references. Why are you here? Oh. <laughs> Yeah, probably because it was rated PG, right? Yeah, and we're in a small town with only one theater at the time, so I guess it makes sense. Yeah. Oh, you know what I was just thinking, though, is that we really should watch and talk about Earth Girls Are Easy. Oh, yes. 
because because p- part of something about Annette makes me think about Julie Brown and that like some of her like songs in that movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Oh, let's do that. I love that movie. Okay. Girls, girls are easy. Anyway. Okay, so that's from that. We're we're kind of progressing in time through our musicals. So what would come up mm-hmm. next? I'm gonna say was probably Rockula. Ooh, okay. I have that on VHS. Nice. I can watch it. Yeah, it was on Voodoo nice. to watch for free, but it just ended last month, sadly. I think it's on Amazon Prime also. Okay. I think. So next episode, Earth yeah. Girls are easy and Rockula. Woohoo! 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 I don't know if this season's going to end. I think we'll go on forever. I mean, why do it say? It has to end. I was going to play the song will go on forever. It's the only clip on the internet with it. That is the shittiest clip ever. Holy crap. I apologize for that. So now me and Mindy are going to have to sing it to you. No. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. That was terrible. I hate when people record stuff. Like, they don't feed the video through anything. They're just literally, like, holding a video camera up or their phone up to the TV and trying to record it. It's all blurry just- and the sound is terrible. I should have checked first. I'm an asshole for doing that to you people. It sounds like static. It's a good time. Yeah. But I don't like to sing on command. Sorry. Okay. Everybody, check us out on Facebook under Video Nights. That's where you'll find all the episodes of Video Night and Trash Cinema. Mindy, thank you for another good episode, and sorry about the wait. I've been drinking. That's okay. And fun. <laughs> awesome. All right, everybody. Have a good night. Hey everybody, welcome to Trash Cinema. We'll be discussing Phantom of the Paradise and The Apple, two really crazy musicals from the 70s. But first, here's some trailers. 20th Century Fox presents Phantom of the Paradise, a gothic horror story. What was that? A beautiful love story. A cinematic odyssey through the rock universe. From Greece to glitter and beyond. The story of a sound, the man who created it, the girl who sang it. The monster who stole it, and the phantom who haunts the paradise, the ultimate rock palace. Phantom of the Paradise. My music is for Phoenix. Only she can sing it. Anyone else that tries, dies. Phoenix. Phoenix. Well, you told me one time that you'd be somebody that you weren't working just to survive. Man, you better get yourself a castrato for this. Paul Williams as Swan. And the angels that defeated them. I want you to stop terrorizing the paradise and rewrite your cantata. And the Phantom. Satisfy me, oh! 
the paradise. There really is the phantom. phantom. In 1994, the world is controlled by one power. The apple is success. There ain't no pride, there ain't no shame. everything. What about happiness? I wanted to release Phoebe from a contract. Cheers. Where is she? Apple is the temptation. The apple is the experience. The apple is the forbidden fruit. Come and take me and shake me and mold me and make me and fill me up with your fire. Come do anything to me. Your little heart desires. Ooh, I've never been so high in my life. Baby, I must see you. I gotta talk to you. The apple takes your soul. Special experience in movie-going entertainment, The Apple. <laughs> so, um, the musical movies that we've been discussing, we had one good one, Newsies. We had one terrible one, but for some reason slightly enjoyable was Xanadu. We had Grease 2. Uh, that didn't work out so well. Now we got... Uh, are, you, what? are you already recording? Yeah, I'm recording. <laughs> Oh, okay. All right, thanks. Sorry. Keep going. <laughs> uh, Fan of the Paradise and the Apple are this episode. Uh, I'm not sure if I can do any more. I don't. Are there any rather trashy musicals? Oh, I got a whole list. Seriously? We'll we'll talk about the list later. Uh, okay. That's okay, maybe enough. not trashy, but there's some questionable ones in there that I wouldn't mind discuss discussing. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's weird. The musical has these ups and downs. Oh, shit. You know what? There is one. There's one that should be on this list. Paired with another Rockula? one. What, what, what? Okay, there you go. Rockula. I thought about that. Well, I, there's a whole episode you can just okay. do of Dean Cameron movies where you're like, he's great in it, okay. but the movie's shit. <laughs> I have the VHS tape of Rockula. Holy shit. 
Holy fucking crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can I tell you? I've been holding on to it for a special day. Do you still have a VCR? Yeah. Oh, my God. You know, they stopped making them, right? They stopped making them last year. I have, like, a, I have one of those DVD-VCR combos still. Oh, you're fucked when that thing goes out. <laughs> I don't make them. Well, I know. Yeah. I don't, I don't have that many VHS tapes. I have, like, just a few. Oh, my God. So uh, it doesn't really matter. The Apple is something that I discovered on VHS when I had those 10,000 VHS tapes that took up every nook and cranny of the house. I hold it near and dear. Yeah, you know, I hadn't heard of either one of these movies before you told me about them. Um, and it took a little work for me to, uh, really a lot of work to get the Apple, but uh, I eventually got it and had the wonderful experience of knowing its existence. Now, I've seen the Apple quite a few times. Each time, mind-boggling, head-scratching. It doesn't get better with time. It just doesn't. In fact, it's starting to get worse. Thankfully, this last time I watched the Riff Tracks version. Oh, oh, sweet, sweet. Oh, oh okay. beauty. Uh, the Riff Tracks is amazing. They really get down with everything that's wrong with this film. <laughs> yeah, you sent it to me, but I didn't want a, that to be my first like viewing experience. That's true. It, it makes it a little more tolerable after you've seen it a few times. I, I don't hate the movie by any means. I'm not going to say that. It's not a good movie. It's no. a strange-ass no. movie. Here's here's the biggest difference that I that I see between the two movies that we're talking about, the Apple and Phantom of the Paradise. Okay, the biggest difference is like while they're both really bizarro, totally off the wall, the Phantom of the Paradise is like the music's actually good. Yeah. Like the songs are catchy, you really like it. You even like that you knew like the characters, but the Apple was like the most awkward songs i'd ever heard none of these will ever get stuck in my head i will never <laughs> sing them and it was like it was a crazy i felt like i was tripping when i watched it you know the characters aren't terribly likable and the music's not very good so it's like i i felt like they were similar in the fact i mean they had the same kind of feel vibe kind of thing but other than that there was not not a lot I could compare, you know? Yeah, I think it's funny. It says, The Power of Rock in 1994, which shows you how clueless they are about music. Yeah. Because they yeah. thought that disco and glam was still going to be huge 14 years later. Ah, that's not how that works. Everything has these ups and downs, and then, like, you know, 25 years later, they'll have a comeback in some way, like, reinterpreted version of it. Yeah, it's, a, it's about time for glam now. Yeah. Uh, or or grunge to come back. I don't know uh, what what I'm seeing now with music, and it's what's bugging me is I think the last great music movement um, was dubstep, and that was seven years ago. I haven't heard anything new come in, and I'm not a huge fan of dubstep. There's a couple bands I like, but that's about it. But when it comes to rock and roll, I really do feel like that statement "rock is dead" has finally happened. Has there been mm -hmm. any new bands in the last three or four years that truly feel like rock? I don't know. I don't listen to the radio. I haven't listened to the radio in like 10 years. <laughs> you find an artist you like and then you hit you know radio or something like that and then play similar songs. That's what most people are doing. But yeah. I, I, and this is kind of a side note, but I'm sitting here listening to you know the, the garage rock movement of like 2001 to 2008, you know, where it died off with the Killers and Franz Ferdinand and stuff like that, and you know all those great bands we saw. Oh, Fuse. I still love all those yeah. bands. But Man. that was the last time they really charted in the top 40, and you know after that yeah. it just got really thin. Like the newer bands started to filter out, 
and in these great bands, you know, they can hardly get an album together. And it's really disappointing. And you look at it and you're like, okay, so everything right now is all technology oriented. Listen to all the songs. There's so much overproducing. Every instrument seems to sound fake. Even the ones with those, like, oh, there's 80 members in your band. Holy shit. You know, you take up the entire stage on Saturday Night Live and uh, nothing feels authentic and real about it. I, I mm-hmm. think that music movement's coming again. And the reason I'm talking about this is because it's relevant to the Apple is because in 1994, in their world, everything is super produced. Everything is really synthetic and fake. And everything's like this dancey, poppy stuff. And all of a sudden, Adam and Evie come up and they're playing these like this folksy music. It's just two of them, one guitar, and it's authentic and it's flipping the network out. But people are like, wait, what is this? What, what am I listening to? And they're like confused, and the network's like, "No, no, stop it now!" It was super hokey too. It was. It was so cheesy. And, and the thing is that this was made by Menahem, Menachem Golem. I'm gonna say his name wrong, but I'm sure it's Menachem Golem. Um, mostly known for doing like the he owned Canon Pictures. They did all those Death Wish movies, Chuck Norris films. So his idea of a musical... Oh, so this makes perfect sense. <laughs> it does, when you know the director. <laughs> um, most of his movies are just bonkers anyway. And this is his version of the Bible and America in 1994 collided into one weirdo vision. And I don't know if he thought that we were going to have another kind of Woodstock movement. And if that's why he mm-hmm. had the authentic like folksy singers. I don't know what he was thinking was the next step. But um, after that, it goes crazy was completely bonkers wait that guy went crazy no 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 the film after that is when things get really oh. really strange uh, the one thing okay. that drives me nuts Sorry, about just... this yeah it drives me nuts about this movie is the fact that every song is fucking repetitive to like the point where you want to scream and throw a chair through the tv yes i agree with you bim, bim, uh it's right. like i just didn't understand any of it and i was like i wanted all the songs to end immediately and <laughs> Like, you know what it, it kind of felt like? You know how in Bill and Ted's, how they, like, go to the future, and they're supposed to be, like, these amazing people who change the future and stuff? Yeah. Well, the world of the Apple kind of is what I visualize the future of Bill and Ted to be. Oh, shit. Don't let it's it happen, like, then. <laughs> it's, all, it's all just, like, so bizarre-looking. Now I we don't talk- even know what to... Yeah. Well, I'm, you're, you're talking in the first one, right? Where they go up and it has those little holograms of them playing air guitar. And like, welcome, yes. good and dead. <laughs> yes, exactly. I've been listening I've been listening to the a couple of songs from the movie. Adam, um, Andy Samberg was talking about it on a podcast. And I decided to go listen to the soundtrack mm-hmm. again. And I didn't realize... Do you remember... When's the last time you saw Bill and Ted? Um... I don't know, a couple of years ago. Maybe I watched both of them again. The first movie, there is a song. There's a montage song when they're going around grabbing everybody real quick. And they're playing that song, Two Two Heads Are Better Than One. And I actually listened to the lyrics this time. I go, oh my god, this is filthy. (laughs) Oh, okay. I see where you're going there. uh, Me and Jacob were listening to it going, holy shit, I've never heard these lyrics before. Like, listen to the song. This is disgusting. (laughs) I think there's a lot of songs that are really a lot more, a lot dirtier than people realize. There is a, there's a lot I, of music. I wish I had, sorry. 
No, I was going to say, I wish I had an example right now, but I can't think of one. But I think I'm pretty sure that a lot of them are pretty gross. Well, okay. Uh, Turning Japanese is about masturbation. She Bop by Cindy Lauper is about masturbation. Uh, Dancing with Myself by Billy Idol, also about masturbation. <laughs> oh, shit. That makes sense. <laughs> we play Dancing with Myself at work, and I'm like, you guys are all old. You don't even know what this song's about. This is killing me. That's funny. Okay, so the apple. The apple. Uh, they um, try to corrupt them. Basically, you know, their own version of giving them the apple, you know, from the Bible to turn them uh, to the dark side. Basically, the evil promoter is Satan, um, who is mm-hmm. – he is a weirdly effeminate – I feel like all the bad guys in this are kind of effeminate, and I'm not sure what the director's trying to say about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like his little henchman guy too. Yeah. I don't know if Menachem Gold had a thing against gay people or because the disco scene was so known for its sexuality and, and, and bisexual and gay. I don't I don't know what to say. But you know, during that era, we, we've seen mm-hmm. 54. We well, weren't there, but we've seen the movie. <laughs> but, hey, you know, also the like the lady, too, uh, who who's there and she's like, I forget if she was a singer or what she was in the entourage, but she ends up like later on uh, – basically forcing herself on adam and then but in the end then she's the one who encourages evie to like oh go leave this crap and go find him remember her yeah it's like it was her job to do that but then she felt guilt and remorse and that's why she switched but what i was gonna say was is like she was kind of um a little like grace jones like yeah yeah ambiguous a little masculine too so i think they were doing you know kind of playing with a lot of different maybe sexuality being vague intentionally or something there is a make a point i don't know there's a woman in this who is i can't tell if it's adam's uh landlord or mother yes who is she landlord I i know her Okay, the movie that I know her from is um, Dead Again, that movie with Kenneth Branagh and Emma Thompson. She is in, like, one of the early, early sequences of that movie, and she's, like, in a scene with Derek Jacoby where he's, like, hypnotized her, and, and she's talking about, like, her childhood and stuff. I don't know if... I've seen that movie a million times, and I love it, but I don't know what you've seen her from. Yeah, it's something she's s- a very... Yeah, something silly. Very popular character actress. But their relationships, see her a lot. yeah, her their relationships weird, and that kind of throws the movie like yeah. in a totally different direction for like ten minutes. You're like, what is going on? And then it's super bizarre. Yeah, because you're like, yeah, is she his mom? Why is she just walking in on him? Why is she yelling at him? Why is she telling him to eat, to get up, to do all this stuff? She has no business bothering him whatsoever, except for the fact that he's not paying rent. So I guess she feels like she can just do whatever she wants. Yeah. Uh, it was super confusing yeah i couldn't tell they make a joke in the riff tracks about like uh is this his new girlfriend because she keeps talking about touching her bosom and stuff like that <laughs> like it's, it's oh, just awkward do you do you remember that part where when she, right when she is bothering him and then like it's like he he like hugs her from behind but he like cups her boobs while he's <laughs> hugging her and it was like what it made their relationship even more awkward yeah it's so strange because either way it's either that's gross because it's your mom or that's inappropriate and you're probably gonna get kicked out next yeah uh the the song 
the songs in this that uh, I did like, I did like uh, Cry For Me and The Apple. The Apple's so jaunty and, and happy that it's hard to hate it, but I hated the song Speed. It just goes on and on and on with the same stupid oh, lyrics. Oh, I didn't like that either. And it was, I mean, was it about Speed? I don't even know what it, what was it actually about. I don't, I don't know. Was it, just... it literally about the drug? <laughs> no, I think it's just about intensity. Like, she just wanted, like, muscle power. So I, I, you know what? I don't know. These songs are terrible. <laughs> Seriously. what She immediately went from, like, being all, like, sweet and wholesome to, like, a raging psycho druggy sex pot. Hey. It's sort of like the message that, that they're trying to, to put out, you know, in um, – Oh gosh, what's that the musical about marijuana? Oh, Reefer Madness. It's it's sort of like the I feel like it's the same message as Reefer Madness, where it's like it's like super super over the top, where like she takes one puff of of the <laughs> of you know marijuana, and then she goes from being like a wholesome sweet to like a sex craze maniac. <laughs> have you seen Reefer Madness? Of course I have. I watched it with you when it, it premiered on Showtime. Okay, I figured, but. But uh, anyway, that's kind of how it seems to me. Like it's like immediately, like like once you know, like a snap of a finger, and she's like a wholly totally different person. It's it's kind of a awkward transition, I guess, in her personality. I uh, I noticed or, something odd here. Is Captain Mary Stewart is a singer? Uh, she did a really good little movie called Scenes from a Gold Mine, where she's a singer, and yet they yeah, do but not... she doesn't she yeah. doesn't do the singing. That's so strange. I they, know I read it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why they would go with that. Maybe they just didn't have this. The there, there's a lot of grit in her voice, which I'm not sure Captain Mary Stewart can hit that in her. And then maybe that's just what the producer was looking for. What was the movie you said she sang in? Scenes from a Gold Mine. Oh, I've never heard of that either. Yeah, it's never been on DVD. It's a lost little movie from Vestron. Uh, she's in a small band in LA, and they're starting to get some heat behind them. They're going to get signed by a label, and then someone in the band screws them, steals all the songs, and gets huge success mm -hmm. for it. And then she tries to get her revenge. I don't mean like a, a vigilante way, but you know, proving herself yeah. and showing that she has the rights to the music. It's a good movie. Sort of like half of the plot of Dream Girls. A little bit, have you yeah. Seen Dream Girls. Yeah, but I, I think the movie existed Just before Dream Girls. Well, probably. I mean, Dreamgirls was like, uh, I don't know. It was a. It came out in like the seventies originally with like Diana Ross, I think. Oh, never mind then. I'm wrong. Yeah, this is from '87. I mean, I. So I. I mean, it's just. It's not. It's a minor plot point. You know, there's a lot more to the dream to Dreamgirls than that. But it's just anyway, whatever. Um. So I think it's weird when they do that. Why do they? You find out that people can sing, but they don't they don't use their voices like so many movies do that but now they require everybody to be able to to sing to dance to act to you know do everything it seems like yeah there is a there's a very little scene movie with uh, uh peter gallagher and ray sharkey called the idol maker and there's a huge chunk where peter gallagher is supposed to be this hot rising star in the 50s and I was like, oh, they're going to get someone to come in and dub him. I just know it. And then all of a sudden, it's his voice. Like, holy shit, he can really belt one out. There's some musicians out there. Like I didn't know that some of these actors could sing. He's like a crooner. Yeah, and you forget that Hudsucker Proxy. He, kind of... he sings in the Hudsucker Proxy. Oh, maybe that's how I knew he could sing. I don't remember. But um, 
Yeah, it is a really interesting thing. Or, like, sometimes people sing badly on purpose in movies, and then you're like, oh, wait, you're in a musical. Now you're in a musical. Wait, I'm confused. Yeah. Uh, Josie the Pussycat. But now. Does she sing in that? Yeah, I know. No. Oh. That's not her. Dang. I remember looking it up because I was kind of obsessed. It's a pretty good movie. I, I feel like the person who did the singing part might have been like, it wasn't. Oh, was somebody like a lead singer from a you know short-term popular '90s band, like not this person, but like Juliana Hatfield or something? Like, do you remember her? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, I don't think that's who it was. But it was something like that, like a kind of you know little little '90s band, and then but I can't remember right now. Yeah, I was super disappointed when I found out that that really wasn't Rachel Lee Cook singing. Oh, man, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, discovering that uh, Michael Pere was not the singer. I, did, I was too young at the time. I didn't know that he mm-hmm. wasn't singing. Then I'm like, wait, did he go by a stage name? John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band? That's weird. And then someone's like, no, he's yeah. not singing that. But he does sing in two movies later down the road. So why? Why didn't they have enough faith in him? I don't know. So weird. Oh, wow. Whatever. Uh, the Apple. Truly bizarre. Absolutely fascinating. It is not a good movie, but it's truly something that is unique. It's seeing this vision of you know the Bible through the eyes of disco and rock and roll uh, is yeah. highly entertaining. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that I would like want to watch it all the time, but I think that I think that if it didn't have the music, that I would actually like it better. <laughs> Maybe. There's a couple songs that really just need to be trimmed. I can't believe that no one was in the studio going, Hey, guys, why is this still going? No, we're good? Okay, whatever. I think that watching the Apple makes me appreciate Grease 2 that much more. <laughs> because at least, oh, oh boy. <laughs> at least the music was pretty catchy. I mean, some of the songs are really fun. Why is it that this bugs me to no end? Uh... That a song is ten, it tends to be like three and a half minutes long, and yet I find so many songs have filler and repetitiveness in them. Uh, everybody loves the Beatles, mm-hmm. but I feel like the first half of their career is a lot of repeating over and over and over, and it bugs me. I was like, You got yeah. this much time, fill it with everything you've got, be like Harvey Danger. <laughs> well, you know, that's the thing though, is that some people are singer songwriters, some people are not. I mean. Bash them all you want for how ridiculous their lead singer is, but like the Counting Crows, they can write some damn clever like tunes with really good lyrics, you know. And so, and Harvey Danger too, they're just like lyrically masterful, you know. They write really good songs, but I also think that they have a, they they appeal to a smaller audience because. Not everybody appreciates a really well-versed song. They just want to hear a good, you know, a good, repetitive, obnoxious tune. Yeah, what gets stuck in your head. They always remember the bits and pieces. Yeah. They don't remember the words. Um, and, I, and I'm sorry about Counting Crows. For years, I hated the Counting Crows. I thought they were a bunch of whiners. And you okay. loved them. And I was just like, ugh. But I, as I'm I've sorry. gotten older, I've been listening to some of the stuff. I'm like, oh, how did I not get into this? I love it. It's it's actually pretty good. It's it's not that far away from Gin Blossoms, which I adore. By the way, nerd. Hey, jealousy. I didn't know you adored the Gin Blossom. <laughs> I do. I love them. Until uh, I hear it from you is one of the greatest soundtrack songs ever. <laughs> hey, I just wanted to. We we did 
talk about this a little while ago, but I wanted to give an update on the who was actually singing the Josie part in Josie and the Pussycats. It was the lead singer from Letters to Cleo. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, they were very – I knew it was something kind of short-lived, but, man, I really in – the, in the 90s for about a couple years, they were really fun. Yeah, I, uh, I've been revisiting so, a lot of that stuff. I feel like the world is obsessed with 70s rock and 80s new wave. And everything after that, just no one seems to be interested in. And I've been really digging into post-grunge. You know, there was Pearl Jam Nirvana Soundgarden. Right after that is when it got started getting more eclectic, not not so mopey, not so Seattle-obsessed and flannel. What do you it, mean, like Candlebox or what? Oh, no, no. I'm talking like, uh, you know... Uh, when the ska movement happened and post-punk, you know, when, oh, when, it, yeah. when it started being like Green Day and Offspring and uh, and really getting oh, into okay. uh, ska right now, you know, Mighty Mighty Boston's listening to Weezer, uh, you know, stuff like, you mm-hmm. know, Beck, when it, when it started getting a little more, yeah. hey, let's test the realms of alternative. How far out can we go before it turned into Shitville with Limp Biscuit and Corn? <laughs> yeah. I the Nookie, the Nookie, so there's a the Nookie is such a shitty, poorly written song, and it was so huge. And at the same time, Ben Folds Five has an album that no one's listening to, which is so good. <sighs> See, that's another example of like masterful songwriting and lyric writing that just that just doesn't appeal to the masses because for some reason, you know, it's it's really about the like hook or. Um, you know, something that makes it catchy, and there's just a, you know, certain people who who just really are drawn to those like, you know, really good singer songwriters, and it's not nearly as many people. Yeah, when but, you hit, when yeah, you hear these people, he's freaking what's, amazing. What's disgusting though is that they'll hit a gold album, and then the next the next one won't go gold, and all of a sudden the studio's just done mm-hmm. with them. You know, it's just like, oh, they yeah. didn't sell as many last time. I was like, well, they still sold okay. I mean, just give them a chance. Back in the day, they gave Bruce Springsteen like six albums before he hit it big. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one of my favorite singers of all time, singer-songwriters, Amy Mann, she writes like the most amazing songs. And what's her only like real, she's known for what, two things, the 80s band that she was in and the soundtrack from Magnolia, which was like... 20 years ago but she's still making music and she's still amazing yeah um sad it's uh, sad i guess you should probably get back on topic but uh fan yeah, of the paradise sorry, we digress fan of the Pad- paradise is kind of in that vein too in that he was extremely well uh what do you call it? a talented writer just really deep into his complex mm-hmm. structure and his music and the lyrics and everything like that and for whatever reason he can't connect with you know a record label and paul williams basically steals everything from him and you know torture I, i'm trying to remember he, he gets him set up for something he goes to jail where they rip out his teeth which is weird and they give him oh, metal yeah. teeth. he he does he frames him for a crime and then he goes to jail and then in then somehow he escapes i forget how uh, well, it's he's trying to he's trying to escape, and then he gets caught in like that press, that record press or whatever it is, and it damages his face, and he runs screaming out of the building, and, uh, and then you know fast forward in time to uh, now all this music that he wrote is gone. It, 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 Paul Williams has completely taken it uh, and given it to other people, and he's going to put on a huge play, or is it a TV show? I can't remember because he had a different band. I think that it might have been a televised, a televised like concert but i'm 
I'm not 100% sure. It's really hard to keep track of all the details of this movie. <laughs> uh, that's right. He, he's going to reopen the Paradise, and this is going to be their big yes. uh, opening event. Yes. So, I have to say, Paul Williams, um, he's totally skeezy, and he reminds me of a grown-up cousin Oliver from the Brady Bunch. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Um, I've seen Robbie like, Riss li- as a grown-up. They don't look he's, anything alike. But. He's, like, he's like creepy and little and skeezy, and he has a bowl cut, and at least it seems like he does. And he's just hes just such a gross manipulator. It's like, basically, he only has this club and only does what he does so he can get chicks to do him. <laughs> Yeah, and it's funny. He is really good at manipulating people, though, because he manipulates the Phantom into basically, oh, you want to kill me and you want to get revenge. Well, you know, hold on a second. Let me work a deal out for you. (laughs) No, no, he's, like, really smart. Yeah. Uh, There is. You know, I felt, I really felt for the the Phantom the whole time. Like, he's a really sympathetic character that even despite his incredible, bizarre thing he has going on, He's really, you can really, you know, sympathize. Yeah, he's, uh, I've seen a couple of the other fan of the uh, operas. Um, I've never seen the, the big budget one, though. The one from like 10 years ago. Uh, is that shit? Oh, I'm curious. You have not seen it? No, it's not very good. I love Patrick Wilson, though. He's so good. But it has Gerard uh, well, Butler, and I don't really care for him. You know, that was kind of one of the, my first encounters with Patrick Wilson, and I didn't, I don't think I knew who he was before that. It was really his kind of like, maybe he did theater a lot, I'm not really sure. I mean, he was good, uh, em, Emma, what's her name? Emily? Rossum? Emma Ro- I don't, Rossum, I don't know what her first name is, I forget. Um, and then, I think Minnie Driver was pretty fun. Um, you know, I was pretty obsessed with the Phantom of the Opera. I, I mean, all through like high school and stuff, I listened to it just, you know, over and over and over and over and over. So I know all the songs, have it all memorized. You know, I've seen this, I've seen it on Broadway. No, when did I? Where did I see it? I saw it in London, I think. I can't remember. Um, so I've seen, you know, different versions of it. But no, Gerard Butler. I don't know what the f they were thinking with that because he was. I don't even really hate him, but he was just totally, totally ridiculously wrong choice. It's like, like them choosing to cast Russell Crowe and Les Mis. It was just like, what the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> sellable name, it, it but probably, Gerard Butler, not a sellable probably, name. Yeah, I mean, it probably would have, you know, the movies would have been vastly improved if they had just made one casting difference. Yeah, there's a there's a really shitty version of Phantom of the Opera with Robert England. Uh, shot in 89. It, it has really great production value and it has Jill Sholin from Popcorn, which, you know, I love her, but uh, it's so grotesque. It's so nasty and it won't end. It goes on forever. That's too bad. Is there music in it? Uh, yeah, but they dub her, of course. I mean, I, I wasn't sure if it was her or not. I know she's oh. sung in a couple movies, but I'm almost certain that it, she's dubbed. If not, I'm impressed. Oh, I need to go find that movie. I need to... That. Yeah, it's not for the weak uh, stomach. Even but if it's you can gross. Talk. What's that? Okay. Oh no, I was just gonna say, I even if it's gross, I I kind of want to see that. Oh, okay. Uh, so for me, because the... I really like her and I like Robert England. Sorry, we're talking over each other. It's okay. Uh, but for me, my uh, this is the best version of Phantom of the Opera. I mean, this is essentially Phantom of the Opera. They just you know switch the location mm-hmm. and uh, I love the music. 
I love all the actors. I've never seen William Finley before, but he's very good as the Phantom. Uh, Jessica mm-hmm. Harper is strange in that she has an unusual voice that you don't typically see in musicals. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Shock She Truman? was the main character? Yeah. Um, I thought I really liked her. I, I, I liked her, and I, and I thought all of the songs that she had were really, really good. Like, it enjoyed a lot of the elements of this movie. Did you know that this was from Martin Scorsese before you watched it? It's not Martin Scorsese. It's or, Brian sorry, De Palma. Brian De Palma. De Palma. Damn it. <laughs> no, I had no... No, I had no idea. I didn't know anything about this movie. I'd never heard of it before until you told me about it. I, I wish he would do another one like this, like some crazy wild film. And it just seems like he gets stuck on these pot boiler like mystery movies. It's all he seems to do. But this is the kind of thing that makes me sit up and go, really, you can, you, you can do these kind of movies, but you don't? Huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think people just get safe, right, in what they do, and they don't want to take chances. This was probably, I mean, was this one of his first movies? It is. I think it's like his third or fourth film. Uh, You know, for the longest time, he just did tiny movies. He did this right before he did Carrie, and then after Carrie, it was all, like, kind of the same formula. You know, a lot of Hitchcockian-style films. Yeah, I mean... Like I said, I think that people just, they get known for something and, and then they don't want to take chances because they don't want to ruin their career. I uh, don't know. There's, there's two other things that I really enjoy about this movie is uh, Garrett Graham as Beef, who is so damn funny. Was he the guy who wore the, like, little shorts? Yeah, he's the one that's kind of like, he's really tough on stage, he's really manly, Rawr! you know, and then uh, behind the scenes, yeah. he's like, I'm not like that at all, I'm, you know, another, it's weird that both movies have like very effeminate kind of characters in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was weird, I feel like he talked about his balls a lot, but I think <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's one of those actors that you saw all the time around this era. But never really broke out. I think it was like after Parker Lewis, he just kind of disappeared. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever seen that guy before. But he was pretty funny. You're right. What? You, um, what? You've never seen? I'm going to give well, you, know, you a would... list. I'm going to give you a list of Garrett Graham performances that you must see. He is so damn good at so many things okay, around this Okay, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I did think it was kind of interesting that, you know, while you said this is pretty much like a straight... Uh, you know, interpretation of Phantom of the Opera. I did think it was interesting that it had also some elements of um, Dorian Gray and like Edgar Allan Poe were mixed in there too, I think. That's true because Paul Williams' character doesn't age, right? And then something goes wrong and right. then all of a sudden uh-huh. it, it escalates the age and his face is like a rotting mess. Uh-huh, yeah. So there definitely were sampling some other stuff in there. The other thing that I really enjoyed was uh, the there's a band in there, the Juicy Fruits, but then they become a different band and then a different band and a different band. It's the same three guys, but they're constantly changing what band mm-hmm. they're in. I, those guys were really entertaining. I like their songs too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So out of out of the four movies that we've discussed so far, I think this one is the best for a lot of reasons. Yeah, this movie has a cult following. They actually have conventions up in Canada every once in a while for it. Phantom Palooza. Really? Yeah. That's really cool. Well, I had just sent you a screenshot, right, of a 
some movie theater in Southern California that was showing the Apple too. Yeah, that it has was a, like well, that has a call following for like kind of the wrong reasons. Fan of the Paradise is actually a much loved film by people who discovered it at the time. Like the wrong reasons, like the room. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> Unintentionally. Oh, <far>. okay. <laughs> okay, I see. You know, it's bad movies are fun too. Now, you might be wondering why we're even talking about Phantom of the Paradise, uh, you know, on a show called Trash Cinema. It is not a bad movie, but it is the kind of movie that you would be, like, you would see at drive-ins, at grindhouses, that mm-hmm. you would discover on video, like, in in the cult movie corner. Uh, that's why I think it qualifies. It is a very well-made movie. Very, uh, All the songs are great. They're written by Paul Williams. Um, it's just one of those things that kind of skews in the direction of trashy movies. Yeah, I tried to find it at the vi- – where did I go? I went to, like, Rasputin or something, and the guy was like, oh, check the cult movie section, but they didn't have it. I was so bummed out. No, it was out I of print. I think that I would buy this and watch it more than once. Yeah, it, uh, Shout Factory uh, re-released it recently. It did go out of production for a long time because MGM shuttered their distribution arm uh, with their last, mm-hmm. I think, near bankruptcy. So they licensed the rights out to Shout Factory, who did an excellent poster for the re-release. All new features mm-hmm. and a really yeah. clean, uh, you know, re we call recomposited uh, print uh, for their Blu-ray. Yeah, and... that's that's what I watched. I watched that one, the Blu-ray. Oh, nice. Did it look all? Yeah, I up? know. It was really nice. It looked great. Okay. I was really surprised. So surprised to see that it had been re-released so recently that it was on blu-ray i was and that it was a lot easier to find than than you would have thought so yeah so obviously there are definitely appreciators out there for it to be available in this format so recently yeah a lot of those movies are lost a lot of these really obscure strange Mm -hmm. movies have never gone beyond vhs which is horrifying that these people put their time in And, and just because most of the people think it's a bad movie doesn't mean you need to think it's a bad movie. Everybody, you know, I've always said um, every mo- everybody hates one movie, and then there'll be one person that likes it, and vice versa. And mm-hmm. to throw away these movies to make them lost is to, is just so wrong. Why is there eighty versions of Highlander available, but not one copy on disc of Run with Patrick Dempsey, which I actually quite enjoy. It's only been on VHS. Disney, you own the rights. Do something with it. Yeah, that's sad. I mean, who cares, like, what other people think? Like, if you think it's a bad movie, it doesn't really matter because it's already somebody, lots of people have put in their time and energy to create this thing. Just make it available for people. What do, it's, The work's already done. Yeah. I mean, how much does it actually cost? I don't, even, don't, don't even put it on physical copy. Don't You don't even have to do that. Just make a digital download. How long does that take? An hour yeah. for someone to convert it to digital and load it up onto your website and make it available for five bucks? Yeah. <sighs> so many films lost. <laughs> Brat Patrol, why aren't you on DVD? <laughs> oh, wait. I kind of remember that movie. Was, was Sean Astin in that? Yeah, I just watched a really shitty uh, YouTube version of it, and it's still so entertaining. Oh, yeah. I kind of remember that. Man, there's so much good stuff. Like, TV movies and stuff that are hard to find. Why is Head of the Class still not on disc? What's up with this shit? Oh, it's so funny. I was talking to this guy about Head of the Class the other day. He was looking for a movie with Billy Conley. Yeah. We got we got talking about him, and he was like, oh, yeah, the first time I ever saw him was on this TV show where he was a teacher. And I was like, oh, my God, I love that show. <laughs> of course, this guy, th- this guy's like 85, but whatever. Yeah. 
All right. Yeah. I think we've segued long enough. Hey, everybody. I think so. so- Sorry. Okay, bye. Hey, you know, okay. what? you're not leaving. Don't leave until I tell you to leave. <laughs> oh, okay. I was just trying to follow suit and say goodbye, too. <laughs> I haven't said goodbye yet, people. I'm going to squander a few more minutes of your time. Uh, Facebook, under Retro Rocket Entertainment, you'll find all our episodes there. And uh, anything you want to throw out there before we go? Oh, me. Oh, okay. This time I'll be ready to say something. Okay, great. Um, You can find me on SoundCloud. Um, it's under Napa Library. It's called Making Books Rock. I have a little weekly 10-minute segment on the radio, um, and I'm a librarian, so I talk about books. So if you think that I might be interesting at all, uh, give me eight minutes of your time and check it out. Okay, everybody. (laughs) Have a good night. announces the most dazzling romantic musical fantasy in years. Xanadu. Starring Olivia Newton-John. Michael Beck. And Gene Kelly. It's a love story about a boy and girl from two very different worlds whom no one can keep apart. It's a spectacular entertainment that will transport you beyond your dreams. Xanadu, where time stops and the magic never ends. Xanadu.
Well, I'm not waiting anymore. Here she is, Belle. We're gonna be late. Let's go. You'll come to school in America. I said, Sandy, any cousin of yours is a cousin of mine. Hey, you caught it. Uh, how tall are you? Never mind. We'll put high heels on your sneakers and we'll make you a center. I would really love to see all of you in music appreciation this year, okay? I'd like to see all of you in music appreciation this year. <laughs> you just might. Oh, I think I'm in love. time of the month for a woman to conceive? A night. I got your pistol right here. I've missed my last two periods. That's all right, dear. You can make them up after school. What are you going to be when you grow up? A burden on society. <laughs> on forever. Hey everybody, welcome to Trash Cinema. That was a long goddamn trailer. That was unbelievably long. Sorry. Uh, let's just say this. Trailers should not be three and a half minutes long. They shouldn't. No, it's ridiculous. It's not that way now. Um, before I meander on too long, let me say I am Michael. This is season three of Trash Cinema. My guest this episode is Mindy. How's it going, Mindy? Hi, I'm doing fine. I think it's funny how we're talking to each other as if we just met each other. Hey, how are you? What are you doing? Hey. No. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing super dandy. <laughs> a, few, a few of you may know this is my sister. Um, and, and we had done an episode about two months ago with the Newsies, and uh, that was actually a pretty big hit. And so we were kind of talking about other musicals, you know, that uh, didn't do well, but later found an audience or, or just uh, completely ignored, like, one of these movies. Um, so it's kind of a kind of idea that's going to be bounced around the next couple months where we touch on some of these musicals that basically destroyed the genre for a long, long time. Um, whether it was discovered later as a, a fantastic underrated film or just a giant steaming pile of crap. 
that's what we're going to discuss here. First two movies of this is going to be Xanadu and Grease 2. And uh, I'm going to apologize for Grease 2. You really were miserable. Um, I don't know if miserable is the right word. It's just not good. <laughs> but I know you took a couple swings at it. You're like, oh, no, I can't. No. Oh, I got to go finish it. <laughs> no, I, it took me three sittings to finish it. Um, and that's partially because I didn't want to torture my husband either. But um, eventually I just, you know, just... I mean, there were there were fun moments, and it was kind of oh, um, hey, Shooter McGavin singing. I mean, that was kind of fun. <laughs> Wasn't McDonald. that his character? I What's still remember. Do you remember the film Christopher festival? Christopher McDonald. Yeah, they were honoring uh, years ago. I think it was about ten years ago. We went to a film festival in Lake Arrowhead, and they were honoring Christopher McDonald. And I came into the oh, room, yes. and he was passing me by, and he does the Shooter McGavin thing, and I was like. <laughs> <laughs> your life is fulfilled i couldn't say anything he's like hey how's it going and he points at me and i go <laughs> good or something <laughs> good uh, sure. uh yeah well um i have a totally separate story about a totally different celebrity that i almost met but i was too chicken to me even though they were five feet away from me so i get that like i totally turned around and ran the other way like a little girl i just like giggled you know uh instead of meeting what's uh instead of meeting somebody who was awesome who was it i'm lame neil gaiman oh well i know you had that christine lottie moment where you're like hey who is that hey you know what that is right yeah now? i wasn't gonna talk to a, a celebrity in the restroom no, no oh i didn't realize it was actually in the restroom i was like hey I, I seriously i went into the women's restroom and she was going out and i was like no i'm not doing yeah that. yeah <laughs> that'd be terrible um what was the one um we used to watch g4 a lot x-play well i used to watch x-play a lot but we loved uh, oh, yeah. Adam Sessler and Morgan Webb. They amused me to no end. And I remember oh, eating a sandwich. You loved Morgan I, Webb. I did. Uh, I was eating a sandwich loved. down in that little center in Monterey, you know, where that little circle is. Uh -huh. And she walks by, mm -hmm. whatever, kind of slow, kind of like going from one building to another. And I'm like, hey. And that's all I said was, hey. <laughs> she just kind of went, hey, and waved a little bit and kept going. <laughs> Wait, 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 you, wait, she actually heard you? Yeah, she kind of looked at me for a second, lifted her hand, waved quickly, and just kept going. <laughs> it's terrible. Well, how about we have a whole episode about our weird celebrity encounters another time? Okay. We're, we're already digressing. I'm sorry. I love digressing. This is a segue show, but this show is a half hour, so we can't go on too long. All right, uh, first film, Xanadu. Or Xanadon't. David Spade joke. He's stealing it. Did you no? Did you know that there there is an off-Broadway musical called Vanna Don't? What? For real? Is it a parody? For real? I don't think so. Huh? I'll have to look that up. But I, I haven't. Okay. I haven't watched it or anything. Now, music and theater have kind of been part of our background. You're the singer. I'm the guy working on the stage stuff in college. You know, and I did a little bit here and there, like middle school and stuff like that. Um. I've always don't loved... forget. What? Don't forget. I was voted most likely to be an actress in my senior class. No shit, really? Huh. Yes, yes, I was. Wow! And how did you take that? <laughs> You're like, no, no, I'm not gonna do that. Well, I mean, I thought it was weird, but um, but also, I don't have the confidence to deal with all that rejection. Are you no, kidding me? My God. No way. It's like I every mean, single day I you're always... going out there on a date. Please continue looking at me. Please like me. Take yeah. me out. Yeah. You know? 
I mean, I've always enjoyed music. I've always enjoyed theater, participating or watching, you know, and I've always, like, it, I've enjoyed, I've experienced pretty much every movie I can find that has music of any kind, not just musicals, but musically based. So, I mean, yeah, this, watching these movies, despite my feelings of their quality, is a total you know, normal thing for me to do because I, I eat that stuff up. And I swear you had a friend who performed one of these songs live at like one of the variety shows. And I was like, Xanadu, doesn't everybody hate this movie? And it turns out, no, clearly a whole generation grew up loving this movie. I am not aware of any single person who loves this movie, but that's okay. I'm, I'm certain your friend Lindsay did a number at one of the variety shows to one of these um, songs. You know what? She, I, I'm, I have a feeling that I think you're right, but... I don't remember which friend it actually was, but it might have been Lindsay. I'll have to ask her. But, um, so this is a movie that I was never yeah. really interested in. I had seen the first Grease, and I was like, okay, Olivia and John, and that one they did together, uh, two, and a ha uh, two of a Kind. And I was like, yeah, they're fun together, but I don't know about her by herself. I mean, she's not really an actress. And everybody kept making fun of it, and I was like, nah, I'm never going to watch this. And then I had, um, I had met somebody who said, like, have you ever listened to this podcast called How Did This Get Made? They talk about these crazy movies. And oh, yeah, to... I've, I've listened to that sometimes. They, they deconstruct these films, and I'm listening to it going, this movie sounds insane. I have to see it, and it was on Netflix, and I saw it a few years ago, and I'm watching it going, look, I don't know what any of this really means. I kind of get the bare bones of the plot. I don't care uh, that it's bad. I love this movie. I'm going to watch this movie mm -hmm. again. <laughs> like, I, I just... It was so cute, and um, usually I don't go for the cute stuff, but I just was really having a fun time watching it. I don't know. I kn I've known you your whole life, and I know you like chick flicks. I do like uh, You've Got Mail. I do okay, quite enjoy certain it. ones. Yeah. Certain ones. But, um, I, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not, like, unpleasant, really. It's not an unpleasant movie or anything like that. It's just... I mean, it just makes me a little sad because the quality is so poor. It's, I mean, Olivia Newton-John is, it really is a wonderful singer, and she is very likable, no matter what she does, really. Um, <clears throat> so that that part, you know, isn't really my problem. It's like the, it's like the weird, it's the weird. I don't even really understand. Like, what was the deal? She she was like a his painting that came to life. Yeah, so basically she's the muse. Well, it stars Michael Beck. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Olivia Newton-John's okay. the name that they put on this and Gene Kelly. But basically the main oh, character right, but... is Michael Beck, who came off of Warriors. And he said, the Warriors opened right. a lot of doors for me. Xanadu slammed them shut. Right. But, you know, he's an artist. Um, and he's yeah. frustrated because he's doing album covers where he's basically doing larger versions of the album cover. Which, I'm sorry, but in 1980, it makes no sense. It's that the craziest. Why are they just reprinting? Don't they have paper? They they did billboards. <laughs> Why can't they just do a larger version of paper? Clearly, it was a reach. They, I mean, that's the thing I was thinking too. Like that that that's not a thing. People, that's not a job. People don't do that. People do not have to paint larger copies of album covers for for music stores. <laughs> I mean, come on. I just kept going. There's other ways to do this. I know, and they kept like firing him and then rehiring him because he's the best and he's the fastest. I was Come like, you know, on. <laughs> his work ethic was terrible. He wasn't getting through anything. Nope, he was. He was, he had a lot of temper tantrums. 
Yeah, and I was like, do you know what else you could do for a living? You know, because frankly, this is good. This is good. Just do this during the day and paint other stuff during the night. And then, mm-hmm. frankly, he couldn't even... I don't know what he's complaining about. He had nothing on his plate. It's not like he had a, like a comic book project he wanted to work on or some big art project. <laughs> he literally had nothing. And he was like, oh, I need some sort of inspiration. And all of a sudden, this like... He, gold. Huh? He had his he. integrity. <laughs> And so and then all of a sudden he's like out walking and, and this girl goes by glowing like she has radiation poisoning, kisses him and takes mm-hmm. off. And he just goes, huh? I'd be like, holy crap. What was that? That's insane. Anybody else see that? <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, here's a movie. The movie is essentially a bunch of music videos or dance numbers just put together. There's such a bare bones plot. I mean, basically, he's mm-hmm. trying to get this place reopened with Gene Kelly you know, and, and, and they got the muses, and they're trying to inspire them to find uh, this place to reopen as like a roller boogie dance hall, because everybody was roller skating apparently in 1980. But only for like a year. Yeah, it's weird. There's a lot, there's a, literally a movie called Roller Boogie with Linda Blair, and Skate Town USA with Patrick Swayze as the villain. Oh, oh, I don't remember that. I don't think I've seen the movie, but I've heard of it. Yeah, it's I not... like roller skating. Yeah. I, I have a pair of roller skates. It's funny, no one looks back with nostalgia over rollerblades, which are like the extreme badass version, but people think about rollerblade, or roller skates, and like, oh yeah, yeah, that was kind of fun. It's, but, it's because, I mean, it's just one of those things that's like, you know, connected to the 80s and, and childhood, and everyone in our, anywhere near our age is nostalgic for the 80s, so, um... You know, rollerblades, I mean, not that, I guess people are nostalgic for the mid-90s, but not nearly in the no, same way, I don't no, think. No, it's not in the same way. Well, it just feels like the uh, the 80s was about hope, and the 90s were about being free, like expressing yourself. Well, that's like there's a lot of extremes in the 90s, whereas in the 80s, you're mm-hmm. recovering from a terrible decade, um, and disco was kind of like that weird relief, like towards the end of the 70s, and Star Wars, a lot of glam, you know, a lot of... Uh, Mm-hmm. A glitz, and that's when we became obsessed with like the rich. You know, we fetishized filthy rich oh, people. Oh, this is a total like digression, but do you remember watching like Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous all the time when we were kids? Why the hell did we watch that? I feel terrible. I feel like we're responsible for making Trump a thing. <laughs> I think I think I just really liked uh, Robin Leach's voice. <laughs> it just sounded. It was just. It sounded fancy. He, he made everything sound fancy and also really exciting. Look at that pork chop. The way he's cutting into it with those gold <laughs> knives. The fat's going right to his waist. It's amazing. <laughs> Don't you wish your heart was clogged up like theirs? You can't afford you're, it. <laughs> you're starting to get almost Australian there. <laughs> Isn't he Australian? Robin Leach was Australian. Oh, I don't know. Um, but he didn't sound like Cockroach. I don't know. Indeed. He's like... Um, well, wait, isn't Olivia Newton-John Australian? Australian. And we're back. <laughs> okay. Thank so, you for that. Winding it right back up again. Okay. <laughs> the Golden Raspberry exists because of a double feature of Xanadu and Can't Stop the Music. Now, I stand by Xanadu. It is highly entertaining. What? It's it's beautiful uh-huh. to look at. Uh, and I actually want, like, I, I love the song I'm Alive. Um, Magic and Xanadu are all fantastic songs. I mean, all constructed uh-huh. either by Olivia Newton-John or ELO. And ooh, I love ELO. Yeah, 
They're really but, pretty good. But Can't Stop the Music is like a three and a half hour epic about the birth of the village people. And it's, oh my God, it's terrible. It's so terrible. Hmm. You can see Steve Gutenberg just going, how did I get involved in this? The whole movie's just like, keep smiling, keep smiling. I don't know why my Wait, he's over. in it? Yes, he's the, the, the one that's not part of the band. He's like the guy that gets them it's like not, signed. It's not a documentary? No, it is a full-on musical directed by, I kid you not, you remember the lady Madge? Uh, and everybody come up to her and go, uh, I'm soaking in it, look at my fingers! You know, she was like, she directed that. She had never directed but anything like, before, ever. The Palm Olive Lady? Yes, Palm Olive, that's what it was. Yeah, that was um, crap. I've never heard of that movie. I'm glad I've never heard of that movie. I don't understand how you... Never mind. I was going to say something stupid. I was going to say, I don't know how you can make a movie all around a gimmick, but that's the dumbest thing I could have said. <laughs> yeah, was a like, yeah, that's like, like 50% that. of the movies out there. Uh, Xanadu... Now I'm like, I'm like Spice World. Hello. <laughs> Xanadu cost $20 million. It made $22 million. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, a lot of goes into could... special effects, man. How could that movie cost so much money? When, what year did that movie come out? 1980. Oh my God. How much money would they equal beat today? Oh my, my god, you're talking probably 80, 80 to a hundred million. I, I want to look. Can't but I stop mean, the music. I want to see how much this costs. Okay. Because I mean, I, I'm. A, go ahead. I enjoy bad things. Well, I enjoy watching bad movies, but I feel like that's too bad, right? What's well, too bad, right? I don't know. I say you can be as bad as you want to be, but don't bore me. I've seen really highly acclaimed movies I that make so. me snooze. And I've seen really like, bad movies. Like, I could watch Double Team with Van Damme and Dennis Rodman over and over and over. Um, maybe that should be a series. <laughs> like Crazy do you already do, a, do you already do a show for that? Bad, bad movies that you love? Well, that's kind of the whole point of the show. Sometimes it's sh- movies that Wait, um, this, are truly... This, yeah, Trash Cinema. I, this I've never, show? I know. Oh, okay. I've never really found an identity for the show. Uh, some people just want to talk about trashy movies and, and make fun of them. And then some people want to talk about like these big epics that got trashed by the critics, didn't do well at the box office, but are actually decent films. And then some oh, are okay. straight up legitimate grindhouse drive-in kind of direct-to-video movies. But but then what about the big budget movies that are shit? Like, but not like not like they're poorly made or they have or whatever. But like like. Most people like them, but I hate it kind of things. Yeah, I mean, sometimes we do like, in defense of, like, we're going to do Waterworld and Postman, which I think are two fine films that got trashed horribly. Right. But there are movies out there that do so well, and I sit there and just go, why do you guys keep wanting these Transformer movies? What the hell is wrong with you? Right. Them? They're not even That's close to That's what I'm talking about. Like, for example, I know, I like, I, there's a few movies that I despise that, like, collectively the world seems to think is amazing oh, like, mine swordfish I'm... i fucking hate swordfish with an unwavering passion that movie was a hit what which one is on your list of just hate um well i hate shrek yeah i, I can't explain it <laughs> i just hate it i also hate gladiator <laughs> so much so so much and then i hate the one I hate the one that James Cameron made with the blue people. Oh, Avatar. Now, that's a movie like they keep I just saying. Hate it. We're going to do three, four, and five. I'm like, hate... hey, how about you try two and see I if know. anybody cares anymore? I know. I just hate it. I, 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 I can't. I'm not even sure I could explain it, but I just hate it. Yeah. Anyway, okay. 
Um, so. Just real quick, Can't Stop the Music also cost $20 million. Oh. It made two. It made $2 million. <laughs> nice. The company Associated Film Distribution went out of business immediately afterwards. <laughs> Big surprise. Big surprise. That just sounds like such a bizarro thing to do, but... Hey, YMCA I mean, was like huge. I, like I said, there was the Spice World, and uh, from Justin to Kelly, and... Half a oh, million movies oh. based on toys. Uh, yeah. They have no personality. It's bizarre. Uh, I'm a sucker for the G.I. Okay. Joe stuff. But, um, okay, so Xanadu, $20 million. So it didn't make its money back, but it's still, you can understand why later it found an, uh, an audience on video. Even movies that it kind of did mediocre ended up being huge. Like Weird Science, not that people know this, but it broke even. It made exactly what it cost. Oh, I love that movie. But it's a massive oh. success on video. Double platinum. I've always album. loved that movie. Yeah, um, try to look here. Hey, uh, hey wait, what, oh, wait, what? wait. Also, you know that there is a Broadway musical version, also of Xanadu, correct? Seriously? Oh, absolutely. Wow, I guess this found an audience later. Yeah, because when I when we talked about doing this, I was like gonna see if I could find the album, and I found the I found we I actually. At my library have the soundtrack from the Broadway version. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about this. <laughs> oh, it's right here. A $5 million Broadway musical adaptation in 2007. Huh. And the and the person who, origi I think, starred in it originally is, like, done a lot of really, like, I mean, she's not a nobody in the Broadway world. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, there's musicals of everything. Didn't you know that? I know that there's a musical of Last Starfighter, which shocks me. <laughs> well, I saw the musical of, oh, shoot. Evil Dead, Batboy. Evil, Evil Dead, Evil Dead, and I will never be the same again. <laughs> did you get splattered with blood? Uh, I did not pay extra for the blood spatter seats. <laughs> That's okay. the VIP section. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry. I, okay. what, what, what the world did give us, though, was Xanadu is Kenny Ortega. And if it wasn't for him being like, oh, kind of known for this. we love Kenny Ortega. Yeah, I mean, he, he wouldn't have been responsible for doing Newsies. So, therefore, one thing is necessary for another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's had his hand in a lot of um, Disney and a lot of musicals and, and lots of dancing. I, I have a lot of respect for him. It's, the it's, guy knows how to choreograph. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think that Michael Beck is a good actor? Not really. Yeah. I mean, have you seen The Warriors? Yes. Yeah. I like him. But it's a different kind of movie. Yeah. I like him, but I never really said, like, oh, I'm on board with this guy being, like... But it is kind of a shame that he had, like, everything, like, open for him after The Warriors. Then immediately, like, no, nothing. Just direct a video and low-budget, you know, drive-in stuff. That was yeah, he's kind of he's kind of wooden. I also don't care for his delivery of lines. Yeah, I, I feel like he was but miscast. A, He's too smart-ass, like kind of shitty to people. Yeah. Yeah, he was kind of a dick. But Gene um, Kelly, seeing Gene Kelly like, dance was wonderful. I'm so glad they yeah. convinced him because he was, was not going to. Was that his last movie? Uh, I believe so. I mean, he probably didn't do too much up to that point. No, I, I mean, figured you know. by that point he probably retired. He was semi-retired at least. Yeah, Gene Kelly. Okay, we're running singing a little long here. Right? He was in Singing in the Rain? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Okay. That's okay. Uh, Grease 2. Love that movie. Uh, Grease wow. Two. How is it that a movie made, I kid you not, Grease 1 made like 300 million worldwide? How is it that the world sees Grease 2 and goes, no, no, we're done. We're good. I don't want anything to do with this. <laughs> um, 
it just didn't have the same innocence, I guess. Was the first one innocent? Because it always seemed a little dirty to me. No, it was. It was dirty, but it was masked. Like, you didn't really notice. And it still had some kind of, like, like, no, it was pretty dirty. It had, But it had some kind of, like, genuine quality to it that, for some reason, like, people think it's a family movie, and I'm not sure why. <laughs> but, but the second one... I mean, the second one's riddled with problems, but it was, it's straight up dirty. Like, I mean, enjoy, I thought some of it was pretty funny, but like that whole song was like, why you should have sex right now in the middle of the classroom. They're singing a song about, I mean, like it was so weird. You know, uh, Kevin Smith was talking about, right? Yeah, Kevin Smith was talking about the original version of Grease, which he had done on on uh, stage, and he said it was completely different um, in, in certain segments. Like, there was all this filthiness that they took out, and then he said, now Grease, when you see it live, is the movie version, not the original stage play version, which mm-hmm. makes you wonder if they would do Grease 2 and then water it down severely. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, first of all, I think that the... the, the that the the plot was pretty lame. I mean, it was just recycled from the first one and flipped slightly. Um, I mean, there's not terribly likable actors in the movie. I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer was before she was really known, right? It was yeah. one of her very early roles. Um, I mean, she's not... She was kind of a bitch. She was not a terribly great singer. Um, in fact... I mean, she sang in several movies, but until, I mean, honestly, I don't think she's that good of a singer, even though she has sang in several movies. So um, the only person that's kind of likable, in my opinion, is, what's his name? Rex Manning. What's his, Maxwell Maxwell Caulfield. It's It's bad when I, like, only can remember people's character names from other movies. Yeah. Yeah. So... I mean, I think that Maxwell Caulfield was the only really kind of likable character, and then he goes and does stupid stuff to, like, be less likable. Yeah, he's trying to be the Fonz, but he's just a dick. He's doing these things, like, trying to create this new personality so he's not so nice. Well, maybe you should look at other women, doofus, instead of the one who wants nothing to do with you. Well, then it would just, like, there'd be no plot for the movie. Then fine, fine. Just, like, he finds a nice little bookworm or whatever, and they fall in love. Uh, By the way, the song... the song that you were talking about that's yeah. so insanely filthy, it's right. I, I, I found it. Oh my gosh. It's also a really shitty really song. Hear it. Oh, you can't yeah, hear it. Yeah, it's a really. I couldn't really. I mean, I just remember this like it's a teacher singing it. And isn't he like. I mean, isn't he a substitute or something? Yeah, and... Troy Donahue. Well, I think might have been in the first movie. Um, well, there's a reference to Troy Donahue in one of the songs in the first movie. No kidding, that's funny. <laughs> He's not in it, but one of the songs that the Pink Lady is singing. Oh no, um, the what's the one that was the the one who thought she was pregnant in the first one? I bar- um, I, for- I, I forgot her character name. It's um. Whatever. In one of her songs, she says, she mentions Troy Donahue. Now, we're not talking about Stalker Channing's character, are we? 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yes, Dr. Channing's character. Sorry, I'm. sometimes I have brain farts. Yes, Dr. Channing, who was 30 or older <laughs> when, she, when she played that role. I think she was older than 30. I remember like stage versions of that. You constantly hear about these people that were way too old. I literally believe that there was a, uh, and this is after Xena, that Lucy Lawless was in a stage version of Grease. And I'm like, oh my god, what? But Lucy Lawless is ageless. <laughs> and I think Rosie O'Donnell was in one. I even think Adrian Barbeau for a brief moment did it. I was like, you got to be pushing 50. What's going on? Oh, hey, that brings us back to our celebrity encounters. I have an Adrian Barbeau celebrity encounter. That's too. true. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, it is a weird thing. You know, you know how maybe it became sort of a unspoken tradition that a weird one, but one anyway, because like how how in hairspray um the you know the mother character is played by a man in almost every production because that's how it was done in the original movie by john waters yeah it just became a thing it just became a thing that they did i don't know why i remember they had I mean, harvey that... firestein playing the mother for a while <laughs> yeah they had the they recently did a tv movie did you did you did you know I I know you don't watch TV I don't have TV either but you know that there's like a new like rash of yeah they're they're, um, they're terrible I actually live yeah I have Fox yeah I watched the Rocky Horror and I hated it and then I watched uh, oh the Grease and I was like what I is this shit it looks on low rent uh, high definition definition video and it's just god awful so I I made it through Grease I kind of enjoyed that one it was okay. I could not make it through Rocky Horror. I, I mean, it was so bad. And then I did make it through Hairspray, but uh, and Harvey Firestein was in that version too, the most recent TV version. But um, I mean, he's okay. But I and and then I went back and watched the old movie from like what 2007 again because uh-huh. it's so much better. <laughs> oh, much better. You know, I was watching a show about, I don't know, 20 years ago, and they are talking about stars that had one big shot, and it just kind of went away. You know, they had Michael Prey on there. They said people were looking for the next James Dean in the early 80s, because everybody was fascinated with the 50s again. And they said, you know, they gave, oh, a, shot, they gave him a shot with Eddie Cruisers and Streets of Fire, and it didn't work out. And then they mentioned Maxwell Caulfield, and they said he, he's yeah. a gorgeous man, and he has talent, but it was just the wrong project to put him in. And... But the but the same with Michael Pere. I mean, he same. He was good looking. He was charming. You know, and and those movies that you mentioned, I really happen to like. Yeah. I like most of his his work. But for some reason, it just didn't click for him. And yeah, I guess. I mean, Maxwell Caulfield did he he did did he do anything between Grease Two and freaking Empire Records, which is the only reason why I knew who he was. There are two movies that he did that are actually worthwhile. They're hard to find. One is called The Supernaturals, where, okay, it's so good it's bad, but he's good in it. I'm going to tell you, uh-huh. and it sounds just ridiculous. And Michelle Nichols is the head of this military reserve group, whatever, and they're doing like this little, you know how you have to do your weekend little thing? Oh, what do you call it? Um, reserves? And you have to go, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not good with military talk. Yeah. But, no, um, no, I understand. But the point is they just start off at point A and they have to go to point B and then their thing is done. They have to stay overnight and they end up staring too close to like this uh, old graveyard and ghosts from the Civil War come back and they try to kill them. It's actually quite oh effective. Oh my gosh. For, yeah. 
But the other one that he made with Charlie Sheen, it's called The Boys Next Door. And this is from Penelope Spheris, who did Wayne's World. But okay. before she did Wayne's World, she did these really great, low-budget, kind of drive-in, um, grindhouse kind of movies. She did one called Boys Next Door about uh, Charlie Sheen and uh, Maxwell Coffin are these rich kids. And they're so bored that they find themselves going to extremes to entertain themselves. The thing is, Charlie Charlie Sheen is along for the ride just because it's his best friend. He's bored. Max Caulfield is a complete and absolute sociopath. He has no connection Mm. to the good side. Um, He is a complete psychopath. He does these things that are horrifying. And you believe every single minute of it. He is amazing in this movie. And I don't know anybody who's ever seen it. Hmm. How did you see it? Um, it was on, I think, Netflix a couple years ago, and I was just curious about it, because, I, I mean, I was a Charlie Sheen fan, and I liked the director, so I was like, I'll check this out, and at the end of it, I was like, holy crap, how did this movie not make Maxwell Caulfield a thing? I don't mean Grease 2, I mean, that movie should have, like, got people's notice, but sometimes when you're braided, nope. you know, just gone. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's still on Netflix. I'll have to look. And that or YouTube. Um, yeah, I don't know what else he did. He seems like the kind of guy that would have shown up on Dynasty or Dallas afterwards. Or the Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, now I'm thinking about all the, like, um, more current Dynasty-like shows. Like, Revenge was like that. Yeah. And I don't know. I have started watching Vampire Diaries all over again. And it just, like, cracks me up. It's so funny. <laughs> Um, anyway, so let's see what else, what else to talk about in Grease 2. Well, this is one of those um, movies but... where it has the barely cameos and it always has like a slight connection. It always drives me nuts. They did this a lot in the 80s. Do you remember Short Circuit 2? They just had Fisher Stevens and Johnny Five and then they recast everything else. They did that with oh, Nimbus 2. and then. Teen Wolf 2. In Grease. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah, that was a reach. Um, but in Grease 2, they had Frenchie. And a it couple was the of teacher school. Shows. Yeah. It was the same school, Frenchie was there, and it was the same principal and, like, her secretary weird sidekick. So those are, there was, I mean, there were several connections, but they just were really weak. Yeah. It it's just not, wasn't good enough. Yeah, and this is back when they would just make sequels that were in line, that was it. Like, there's no real story continuation the way it is now, where it feels like everything is part of a bigger story. This was just like, okay, yeah. first we'll make money, let's just, uh, we got the title, let's get something going that's similar. Yeah. So, what what parts of the Grease Two did you like? Um, this the most ridiculous song. This is the part I loved. The bowling song. It's absurd. Oh, the bowling song! I know. I was like, how can how can there be a whole sequence scene about bowling? And, and I can't believe how many times these people spin. It's, it's, it's like I would be puking. Yeah, that was okay. I did. I really did. I kind of enjoyed the whole. Um, like, I want to be a... Well, he wanted to be a T-bird, right? So yeah. basically, there's, like, all these sequences of him, like, trying to learn to ride a motorcycle, and he's just, like... <laughs> like, I don't remember it actually being a song. It was just a weird scene in the movie where he's, like, you know, driving this motorcycle, like, through, through like, the, the grass or whatever, and he keeps, like, falling over, and he keeps, like can't figure out what to do and yeah i like you know montages are kind of fun uh everybody loves montage um i like the song cool rider adrian zamed amuses me to no end his gang is just hilarious that little girl who's the little girl in this i think she's i think she's supposed to be the younger sister of one of the pink ladies oh okay 
Because I thought she and was that's really why funny. She, she keeps, like, that's why she tries so hard because she feels like it's her legacy, but she's too little. And so they just kind of push her around, you know? Yeah, she was funny. And at the end of the movie, when uh, he finally gets Michelle Pfeiffer, she comes up, she goes, I'm sorry, I can't be with you. I found a new man. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> but she's so so confident in it, too. It's like, I'm sorry, you're just not, you know, we're not working out together. He's like, we were dating? What's going on? Um, all right, sure. I do, I do, I do quite enjoy, like, you know, um, strangely placed confident kids in movies. <laughs> yeah. Badger, one of the most confident kids ever in, in Better Off Dead, yet I don't think he says oh, a single God. word, but he is so confident he doesn't need words. He just looks at you and is like, move on, I'm doing my thing. <laughs> oh, yes, Badger. Badger, I don't think, has a single single line in that whole movie. It's all about, like, the situation. <laughs> oh, building that rocket. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> how to talk to dirty... Clearly... How to talk to dirty... Or how to talk dirty to women or something like that. Oh yeah. <laughs> the postman's um, like, "Hey Badger, what are you doing with this smut?" <laughs> <laughs> What's he doing opening Badger's mail? Um, clearly, there. Are, I, I could talk about movies forever, especially because I one thing leads to another thing in my brain, so it yeah. could go on forever. Um, um, yeah, we should probably wrap. We've been going for a little while now. Um, so overall, Grease Two is crap. Yeah, they need to edit it. A, Why is it so long? Why is it an hour and 54 minutes? They should have clearly cut out 20 minutes as easily. Yeah. Oh, and that one teacher, what was what was that lady? Connie was... Stevens from Back to the Beach. Connie, oh, I, oh, I want to talk about Back to the Beach. I love that movie. I watched that movie a lot as a kid. Connie Stevens, I mean, she was just all boob. There was no point. She had no purpose. No. Except for to be sad. like... A little cameo and lots and lots of boob. You know, like, uh, why it is, is she even? It is the 30th anniversary of Back to the Beach. Ooh, you know, there's I like a whole. Movie. I'm thinking about the other movies from '87. You remember we had the VHS tapes that we watched over and over. We had a tape with Back to the Beach, Revenge of the Nerds mm-hmm. 2, and uh, uh-huh. Hot Pursuit with John Cusack, and they're all kind of island beach themes. That'd be an excellent discussion. Yeah. And all in 1987. Yeah. I haven't watched that um, Hot Pursuit for quite a while um partially because john cusack has stopped being charming and started being creepy and um my 20 year love affair has just gone away but um i would revisit that i guess yeah and i'll try to come with the fourth oh adventures of babysitting that is not a beach theme but man we watched that movie like crazy we had those tapes and we just like had like 12 movies that we watched over and over and over yeah we had a problem. Let's <laughs> not begin to discuss your major league thing <laughs> every afternoon. Oh, that's so funny that you said that because um, I, I mentioned that the other day. Like, what were you doing when you were 12? Oh, oh, really? That's what you were doing when you were 12? Well, I was every day after school, I'd come home and watch major league. And then <laughs> the year before that, every day after school, I would come home and watch Batman. I mean, that was my entire, like, two years of my life. I did nothing. To watch those two movies every single day. What was wrong with Wayne's me? World? For a while, it was Wayne's World. I could have been so productive those few yeah. years, but oh. clearly, I was just obsessed with Charlie Sheen and that rad, rad haircut. No shit. Yeah, we watched Men at Work yesterday, and I'm like, oh my god, I, mean, I love this movie so much. 
Oh no, you're reminding me of all the movies that I need to watch again. <laughs> okay. That's the point of this show, it's to remind you of these movies. Okay, uh, final verdict. I say um, yes to Xandu, no to Grease 2. Unless you cut it yourself, like do an edit. Mm, yeah, I agree. Okay, everybody, check I us out. I would... What? Oh, it's like I probably wouldn't watch Xanadu like a ton, but I'd watch it again. All right, check out our show on Facebook under Retro Rocket Entertainment and plug your show. Plug my show. Oh yes, uh, you can find me on what's the app I use? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really matter. I do a little like radio session once a week. I plug books for work. Don't even worry about it. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Look away. Look away. <laughs> all right, everybody. Sorry, I'm not my sharpest right now. It's all right. Um, you know who is sharp? Adrian's a med. Man, that's so, that guy's so cool with his hair. How is it that he did TJ Hooker and then nothing? Nothing. This guy, has he oozes charm and, 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 and it's like so so funny in this movie. Hey, hey, you're, you're digressing again. Just wrap up your show. All right. Let's end it with the bowling song, because I actually like it quite a bit. A cool writer's good, but this is better. Okay.